With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For the 2024 Urban Nerd Con, join us in Atlanta, Georgia, April 26-28 at the Cortland Grand Hotel. Special guests include the Sci-Fi Sisters, Underworld creator Kevin Grievous, from Nickelodeon, Giovanni Samuels. The Science Machine, Michael Green. From Spaceballs and Star Trek Voyager, Tim Russ. And from the Fairly Odd Parents, Gary L. Gray. What up, y'all? It's Gary Gray. Check it out. I need you to do something for me. Join me April 26th through the 28th at the Cortland Grand Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia for Urban Nerd Con. It's going to be lit. Okay. Our heroes, our villains, everyone's con. See y'all there. Visit TheUrbanNerdCon.net to get your buy one, get one free badges before the price increases. Remember, our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Sports Wrap, Brian and AD, we're back after. You stole my line, man. Oh, I stole that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had I had to do that. I was inspired by that great, uh, by that great promo. Nerd con commercial. Nerd con commercial. Yeah, I had to, yes. had to do it. Um, and I'm going to say that for two reasons, Brian. What's that? Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl. We're back. Oh, hold on. Slow your horses now. Don't 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 count your don't count your chickens before the eggs hatch, Drew. 
uh, as we're watching. Two minute warning. We got the ball. Yeah, yeah, we're coming up on the two minute warning. The Chiefs are only leading by seven points. I know uh, Walter Harley jumped in early. Walter is nervously sweating and watching this game as uh, he's a Ravens fan. Um, Emmett man. Jones is losing respect for the Ravens. Huh? Who is? Emmett Jones. Oh, losing respect. Well, <laughs> look, there's a script. Look, somebody told me that, hey, this football, this NFL football thing is a television show. So just remember that, folks. As you see things play out, I'm starting to buy into it with some people. <laughs> and uh, when they keep saying that, I used to be scoff. I used to scoff at it, Drew, and be like, no, nah, man, whatever, whatever. No, nah, hey. Hey, it's, it's speaking, it, speaking of going uh, away from the script, did, uh, if you watched the BCSN uh, yesterday, oh, man, wow, that's ball game. That's ball. Did, game. did you? Yeah, you're about uh, 15 seconds I'm, behind. Yeah, you, I'm behind you. That's ball game. <laughs> Lights out. Shut them right. down, Baltimore. Yeah. I want home, yeah. baby. Crab cakes in Cancun for y'all. <laughs> but. Uh, did, did you see the end of the Tuskegee Miles game here on the Black College Sports Network yesterday? I, I did. Great call by uh, Mo Carter. Mo Do you have Carter. the video for that? You got the video you're going to No, I did, I did not click the video for that one, but uh, I will, we'll, show it. we'll show it. Tuskegee I mean, won it at the buzzer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw, I, I saw the clip on that. Uh, great call by Mo Carter. Uh, there was a couple of buzzer beaters yesterday in uh, HBCU men's hoops. Uh, but it, it was good. That, it was good that that one was on the network, I'll and I, I'll, 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 I'll pull that. I'll share that uh, <laughs> in the next feed. <laughs> oh, you, you, you can refuse to believe that all you want, Edwin. I used to, I used to poo poo it as well. But look, I lived against the Patriots. I watched those years, and then finally, hey, finally, the script writers wrote it in and said, yeah. We think the Colts have have uh, have been uh, the Colts and Colts fans have lived through enough. We're gonna let y'all through this time. And, and then what? They, and then what they did to us a couple of years later? They gave us that BS onside kick crap with uh, with the Saints because the Saints were the great story. I, I I'm believing it, man. Don't. And and just just so ironic that the Patriots won the Super Bowl immediately after nine eleven. Of course, I guess of course. The show on turf. Exactly. I mean, come on. That's that that right there was the start of it. That's when you knew the script writers were working, and they had they had just left wrestling and caught and gone on over to work in the NFL offices in a closet somewhere. Yeah. They, they they went a couple blocks over in uh in Manhattan. Yeah. So I mean, trust me. Just this the it's not Lamar's time. That's that's all it is. You know, it's not Lamar's time yet. You know. Hey. He, uh, we got a quarterback of color in the Super Bowl again. Again. And we've uh we've increased the number of coaches of color this season. So let's hope that these owners don't do the one and done with these coaches like the last time where we had a bunch of African American coaches. Hey, well, you know, uh, we have hey though, the positive is so far we haven't seen any retreads. You know, when you when you see a guy like Bill Belichick not get a job over Raheem Morris. You know, it's like hmm, maybe maybe guys are getting a job based on merit and not getting a job based on the poor job that they did. I mean, let's just keep it real, right? You know, maybe maybe 
scales are starting to balance, uh, you know, somewhat. So, are they just going to knee? Oh, this this knee for oh, take victory formation. Oh, all right, how many how many shots here? I told you we were playing the drinking game. Uh, thankfully, I haven't seen too many shots in the uh, Kelsey suite, but uh, you know, I was I was I, 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 there was at least three in the first half. You're about to catch a few. So if you're playing along with the Taylor Swift drinking game, get your cup ready because you're about to go to her about four times in the next, say, 15 minutes. your glasses ready. All right, check your mic, Brian. Check your mic. We, we, we got the gist of what you were saying, but check your mic. Look, my mic is going to be popping right now. If you miss me, if you miss something, I say, just come back. Brian, I am, go- I am going on Amazon. When I get some free money, and I take it. free money, or hey, anybody? No, not the money. Yeah, I, I, I have to do you like I have to do some people. I, I'll never send you money, but I'll send you. I'll send you what you need. Yeah, send me some equipment. Any anybody out there? You know, we'll post. We'll post something out there, and and we'll see if uh, uh, see you know, see if I can get some. Hey, any, anybody want to make some donations? You can always do the super chat thing there on YouTube on the JB. Please help that man out. Yeah, come on now. It's not that. It? <laughs> yes, it is. Anyway, let's let's go through roll call because we got a lot to talk about today. We got a guest coming up at the bottom of hour one. Um, uh, Kelvin Rozier, um, my co-host on the ONG Strike Zone. We're gonna come. He's gonna come on the show. The one of the longest. I, well, we, I, we can't call it the longest. So that's the first thing. We can't call it the longest head football coaching search, but it might have been the. Uh, What's the word? The most chaotic, the most talked about, the most debated uh, coaching search. I don't know. You You can flip a coin between FAMU and Texas Southern. Really? Hold on. Let me. Let's do a poll. Let's do a poll. Let, you know what? There's the first thing. Which one was which one was more messy? Is that the question we asked? Uh, okay. Is that is that what we're gonna do? Let's see. Which? I mean, I'm just asking because both of them were messy. Hold on, let me see. Which coach Tamara, let me know when I'm lying. That's all I want you to do. Just let me know when I start lying so I can retire. Well, <laughs> <laughs> both these were messy, they were ugly, and you had a lot of unnecessary stuff that went on around both of these coaches' searches where if communication would have been forthright and forthcoming, neither one of those institutions may have been into, in the position that they were in. Mm, good point. I'll, say, I'll save it for the guys. All right, let's, uh, let me do a quick roll call here and, and say hello to a few people. Uh, obviously, you know, condolences, Walter, on your Ravens. Yeah, good season. <laughs> Um, uh, Lamar Lamar Jackson proved people wrong that uh, he was worth every penny that he held out for in the offseason. So uh, props to him. Um, let me see. Tamara T, appreciate you. Uh, <clears throat> good evening. Good to have you on. Exactly. Edwin, we have ourselves a porch. We got ourselves a porch in Tallahassee. We do. 
Uh, hello, Demetra. Good to see you. Thank you for coming in. Mary305, always glad to have you on. Uh, James Austin, he's calling for, consp- he's a conspiracy theorist. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love the conspiracy theorists. <laughs> uh, how about how about John Harbaugh? How about any 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 shade for John Harbaugh? You know, you you can talk about investigating Lamar, but how about you know Harbaugh? You know, notice he didn't get the Vegas job. I'll just say it like that. Yeah, hey, exactly. Last thing on the NFL, uh, we got about 15, 20 minutes before kickoff of Game Two. Uh-huh. I need everybody. I need everybody to put in the chat who they got. Niners. Alliance. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I, you know what? Is this straight up or with points? There's seven points. Nah, we, nah man. We 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 not asking people to get into all that, Brian. This is this really? is just for discussion. We we I want to know who go who will the Chiefs be facing in the Super Bowl? Straight up. Straight yes. up. I'm going Niners by. Alliance. That's two of us, man. I'm going Lions. Oh, really? You're going Lions, too? I'm going Lions. I'm going Lions, yeah. The script. I'm telling you the script. The, 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 script. Li- the Lions so much remind me of 1999 St. Louis. Mm. It, it's ridiculous. Coming out of nowhere. Remind me also of was it 2009 Saints? Just a team that just rolls out of nowhere, right? To the Super Bowl, but yeah, I, I want to know if you got Detroit, and you know we got if Detroit wins. I know we got at least one HBCU player on Detroit, uh, James Houston. So nice to see if he can make it there. Okay, let's go through some of the top news that happened over the past week. Well, a lot has happened since our last show. But uh, more recently this week, there was a run of new football coaches that were finally named. Uh, First off, Chris Dishman was officially introduced as the 18th head coach at Texas Southern. Excuse me. Uh, Dishman, maybe more famously known for having played in the Houston area with the Oilers from uh, that's 88 to 96. Right. Um, I remember Chris Dishman when he was at Purdue, when he was a defensive back at Purdue University. Of course, I was still living in Indianapolis then, so, you know, uh, I think he may have even been close to an All-American. Or he, he was well-known in the Big Ten. Uh, he was a fifth-round draft pick by Houston, still the Houston Oilers back then. Uh, exactly, Chris Dishman. Uh, but, you know, his resume, when he left out of the NFL in 2000, where uh, after Houston, he was with the Redskins for a couple seasons.
Mike. Mike. College. Well, uh, if you get into the college world, uh, a little bit of time. Baylor, we still have an audio issues with you, Brian. Hey Brian, let's let's go to break because we can't hear you. So, but anyway, <laughs> what I was saying is, I really didn't do anything. So, you know, I, I you know, it's just whatever. Um, Dishman was actually, I think somebody brought up in the chat room, Dishman and Bubba, uh, Bubba McDowell played together along with Eddie George, right? There it is. No, no, Eddie Robinson, Bubba McDowell, Eddie Robinson, Eddie, Eddie. Robinson did not play with all of them. The same team. The, th the, the first three were teammates for one year. Eddie George, being the youngest of them, missed somebody. I believe he missed Bubba. I believe Eddie George missed Bubba out of that group. Okay. It, yes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, like I said. And let's also remember uh, Eric McNair was teammates to uh, a couple of those, including Eddie George. Yeah. Um, so all in all, Dr. Kevin Granger, um, you know, they get their man. Uh, hold on. Where's my slide at? I just realized I'm doing all this, Drew. I don't have my – I have my slides. I did all this work in the pregame, and I didn't have my doggone slides ready. Just in case anyone doesn't know who Chris Dishman is. Uh, let's see if I can pull that up real quick. Uh, just uh, tell me your thoughts on on the hire, on the decision, Drew. While I pull this up, my my thoughts on the decision is finally, man. Honestly, you know, after you screwed Fred McNair over uh, so royally, because you know he left Alcorn with the intentions, probably agreed in principle and handshake deal that he was going to Texas Southern, so. Texas Southern got what they wanted. They wanted someone with an NFL pedigree, and they were not able to get their first choice due to some uh, unfortunate uh, incidents, basically not meeting the minimum qualifications. So they went out and got Chris Dishman. And I will give Chris Dishman uh, credit over the Andre Johnson choice because Chris Dishman does come with a coaching pedigree and a coaching background, although be it this is his first time as a head coach. He does come in with some type of coaching experience, which means he's going to have coaching contacts. 
So he should be able to assemble his staff based on his, uh, I believe it's 15 years of coaching, Ryan, if I have that number correct. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he is not, despite the fact he played in the league, he's not coming in like Andre Johnson would have. Or even like we talked about with Eddie Robinson a couple of years ago, having never been a uh, coach without that that background, those contacts, and everything else that would be needed. So, uh, and Ed Robinson has done a great job in spite of. So let's see what happens with Chris Dishman, and let's see what happens with that Slack West. As keep in mind, four of the six schools in the Slack West will have a first year head coach next year, and no one. Let me say that again. No one in the Swack West has a returning quarterback. Mm. A returning full-time quarterback. The closest thing that we have to a returning starting quarterback is Alcorn and Tyler Bacon, who started off the season as a quarterback but got hurt during the season. Texas Southern. Well, but but see that that's the you know it, and it, Texas it, Southern Texas Southern you had the, the, the young man who who backed up. Uh, but, um, but I thought I thought he was done. No, no, no. There it is, right there, uh, Edwin. Okay, he does have another year of eligibility. I, I apologize about that, Edwin. I thought he was uh, done. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, I but that's great. Those, but those that's great. Two. That's great. Yes, those are your two. Those are your two. I get you. Um, all right, and matter, 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 let me take that one step further. The SWAC is really going to be interesting next year with all of the new coaches. So, you've got four on the west side, one on the east side with new coaches. If I had that number correct, five of the 12 institutions have new coaches. And if we count Texas Southern and Alcorn, we've only got two teams with a returning. Quarterback starting quarterback. Um, swag will be interesting. Swag may be interesting with Bethune's quarterback coming back. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, you know, I haven't kept up on Bethune. I have no idea whether yeah. quarterbacks coming back or not. You know, Jackson State played musical quarterbacks. You know, body transferred to State Alabama State. Southern has a returning quarterback in. Um, and Noah Biden. Biden wasn't the full time starter last year. Yeah, but okay, let, let's, uh, let's, so, let's, so, let's so, Southern played musical quarterbacks. The, the no, I'm saying of a full time Southern had four quarterbacks last year. Hey, exactly, but okay, let's. So let's, that's why I can't. I can't rephrase it and say that. quarter. I think you ought to rephrase it as quarterbacks that have game experience. How about okay, that? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a little bit different. But heck, I I come in and mop up duty and have game experience. Uh, quarterbacks who have started a game. That's okay. Who have started that? started six games or more? Oh <laughs> hell, no six games! Come on, man. That, that's that's half the season. Ah, that's that's asking, half the season. That's asking a lot. I, I anyway, anyway. Okay, uh, if you play more than four games, it counts against your uh, eligibility. So let's okay. go with four. <laughs> I'll agree with you there. Okay, I agree with you. Four, four or more games. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, let me move over to another story, uh, another head coaching hire, which, uh, you know, while we were tossing about what was going to happen uh, at Texas Southern, at FAMU, and other places, uh, the defending, the two-time defending um, 
national champions at the non-division one level. Uh, Benedict College, two-time SIC champions. They named a coach. Uh, Ron Dickerson Jr. named a head coach this past week at uh, Benedict College. Uh, Dickerson comes from, uh, you know, he's the son of Ron Dickerson Sr., who was once a head coach at Temple University uh, and at Alabama State. But the last couple years, Coach Dickerson Jr. was working at the University of West Florida with the Argonauts. They were back-to-back Gulf South Conference champions. They had a 20-6 and record over that time, went to the D2 National Semifinals in 22. He served as the OC, the offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach this past year where the uh, Argos were 17th in the nation in passing offense, 20th in total offense. Um, so he had a pretty good uh, run, and I, and I think – Drew, it's a great hire for Benedict. Um, they get someone who who has a, a history and has some some offensive chops, uh, you know, at at the level uh, that they play at, and um, you know, his family. He and his family. Uh, there's a there's a little bit of HBCU ties previously, but uh, I, I think this is a good hire for Benedict. It, and you know, this was one of those hires that was a little bit under the radar with all of the discussion going on at other schools. What's your thoughts on Ron Dickerson Jr.? I mean, it's going to be interesting, but when you take over a program that for the last couple of years on the level of Benedict, unfortunately for Dickerson, you have nowhere to go but now. And that's what makes it tough for a coach taking over a program that has built up the expectations to the level that Benedict has. For the last couple of years. No one remembers that Benedict was everybody's homecoming date up until two years ago. And that first year when they went undefeated, they were on for homecoming schedules. And you're not on homecoming schedules most of the time unless you're at that level where everybody thinks they're going to get a dub. So Let's let's remember Benedict's not too far removed from five and five, three and seven. So, do I expect Benedict to take a step back? Yes. Do I expect Benedict to take a step back to the three and seven days? No, I don't expect him to take a step back. But Brian, you went ten and oh two years in a row. I mean, right. if if, if you in Vegas, where you put your money at? Benedict is taking a step back. And that's not yeah. disrespecting. That's not disrespecting saying or anything else. But I'm just trying to be, be a realist. Nine and one is taking a step back compared to two ten and O's. Well, well, the question is, what can he get them? Can he stay in? Can he keep Benedict in contention for the SIC? That's, that's question number one. Because question they number have two, can they get to the playoffs? They've gotten used to winning. Um, yeah, and, and the whole part about that second one, Drew, is once you start building a name amongst the D2 voters, um, they they kind of stick with you a little bit. So he's going to walk in inherently because of his previous success at West Florida and the Benedict success in the years before him 
where they may they may end up getting some preseason votes, and then it'll come down to what they'll have to do the winning on their own, right? Yeah, and of course we haven't looked. I uh, we haven't looked at the schedule for twenty twenty four, but I, I don't think, think it's out. Yeah, I, I don't think, think it's out. but I think well, I'm just talking about the opponents. I think it's just a flip of the twenty twenty three schedule as far as who they are facing as far as in conference goes so that was a pretty favorable schedule for benedict i think realistically best case for benedict and you may some of you all may not understand this would be what happened with Tremaine jackson if i lost the state took over a very successful program took a step back for one year and then year two back into the playoffs I yeah. think that's a. I think that's what you your expectation should be admitted in. Hmm. But I think they. I, I. I don't think they'll settle for being under five hundred though. Well, I, yeah, I Jackson wasn't under five hundred. He was right there at five hundred. I think he was right. like six or five or something gotcha. like that. Gotcha. But yeah. he did. T- he did take a step back. Missed the playoffs in year one. Year two. What, what were they? They were the number three seed. I three believe. Seed. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So. All right, um, let's take a break because coming up on the other side, we're going to talk about the other big coaching hire that happened this week. And this one happened. Oh, there was another one, Brian? Yeah, there was another one. It happened just the other day, matter of fact. Uh, um, it's not, well, actually, technically, it's not official. Today, they, they put out a uh, uh, put out a graphic, but they haven't made the press conference. So well, that'll be do. tomorrow. Yeah, okay. They, you know. They're doing the press conference tomorrow. I thought you were going to say they had to wait to get the uh, Board of Trustees approval. Um, they, they, I, I would hope they would have done that before they do this press conference. I, I, I think they that, got to that's, that's more of that mess that I was talking about in that poll, Brian, and I'm waiting on everybody to vote on. Well, I ended the poll, uh, and I think it was an overwhelming uh, answer at, by the, by everyone watching. So we're going to talk about that school on the highest of seven hills and their new coaching hire with uh, my good friend, co-host of the ONG Strike Zone, Kelvin Rozier. We'll talk with him about the new man leading the Rattlers right on the other side of this break. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap right here on the Black College Sports Network. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube Spreaker, or the BCSN app as we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, 
on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Welcome back to the uh, BCSN Sports Wrap. I almost said the OG I thought it was OG Strike Zone. I, look, I almost said and, it. And I, and I was filling in for Marcus. <laughs> well, you, you are in that spot. Um, <laughs> Brian and AD here joining us is our good friend Kelvin Rozier of the ONG Strike Zone. Appears every Wednesday right here on the Black College Sports Network where Kelvin, Marcus Green, and I always – talk about what's going on with Florida A&M University Athletics. Kelvin, how are you feeling? How are you doing tonight, Rattler? What's up, champ? What's up, champion? I'm back to champions now, baby. Feeling good, right? I'm feeling better. I'm not feeling good, but I'm feeling better. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling like a champion. Well, in in a week in which uh, a lot of uh, we, we saw, we were just talking about in the earlier segment, um, Chris Dishman introduced as the head coach at Texas Southern, uh, Benedict, Ron Dickerson Jr., and then uh, FAMU makes it official. James Colsey III is officially the man at FAMU. Um, man, Kelvin, it, it took uh, it took 25 days, 20, 20, well, technically, maybe you could say 26, 26 days to get here where we probably should have been from Jump Street. What's your thoughts? Yeah, we should have been here uh, the day after uh, Willie left, to be to be frank. You know, we, we wasted some, some money, first of all, with uh, this whole search firm process just to go with an in-house hire. This was a great decision for this reason, right? I was very impressed, by the way. Not that it was a surprise to me. FAMU's an attractive job. We we defending champions. We got a loaded team. We're in a state with no taxes. So I expected quality quality candidates to apply once we uh did the went with a search firm. But um this particular high is important because of the totality of where we are, right? Is cozy the most qualified or the most sexiest pick uh given the pool and given even candidates on staff to be frank probably not but he's the solid and a, and a good fit because those of us who are tuned into our university and to our team and into rally nation understood that the glue to keep all this together this whole championship talk was keeping a uh, having an internal hire at the end of the day and um 
if you watch the reports, uh, if you watch the uh, response from the team, they're ecstatic about it. You know, we had a couple of starters who were in a in a portal. Uh, I know that one was, I don't think it's officially been announced yet, but one of them who who had legitimate D one offers uh, is 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 withdrawn from the portal. I, I expect anticipate the second one to do so also. Nice. Uh, and then, um, you know, we had a couple of commits that fell by the wayside. Well, I understand one of those Florida State commits are back in play and on campus. So we understood. Well, you know, you had a lot of chatter from the outside. We understood what the, what the big vision was and, and, and the running back and what that meant. And so now this gives us an opportunity to stop the uh, stop the, the, the bleeding, so to speak. You know, you won't like, – we watched what happened to Jackson State when Dion jumped out there, and then because those kids were part of the program, but they were there for Dion, not necessarily Jackson State. Luckily for us, we had just the opposite. Our kids were there; they loved Coach Simmons and his staff, but they were there, they 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 had FAMU for FAMU, and right. they loved Rattler Nation. So we were able to, while we went through this process, we were able to kind of keep everybody in play for the most part. You know, we did have Griffey went up leaving, um, you know, but outside of that, you know, everybody else is still in play for the most part. So um, I'm excited about the hire, and there's no absolute. We can't say that, you know, we're going to run through the swag and go undefeated next year, but we damn sure going to have a chance. I trust this staff collectively. That's the other thing. I think uh, having Coach Cozy in play, Gives us a chance to keep the entire staff together. Uh, th- you know, there, there's still some chat about a couple of couple of folks. Has nothing to do with Coach Cozy, but but I, I think we got a re- legitimate shot because people trust him and and, and, and Rattler Nation. Is, you know, we're gonna do what we do. We we rally. And the last thing I have to say is Brian. I've seen some people gloating and boasting and so forth. You know, because there was a lot of outside folks talking a lot of. Th- Noise to wrap the nation. I think this is a teachable moment for HBCUs in general. Mm. You don't have to be quiet and you don't have to be uninvolved and accept that someone who has a title who may or may not be qualified to make a decision, or they just decide to make a terrible decision and uh, and you got to accept it and, and, and still support it. Um, wrap the nation, show you how it's done, baby. I told you. On the ONG for weeks, I believe in Rattler Nation. I got yeah. some calls. I got some calls, and people reminded me, man, they kept them receipts. I said, no, you kept telling us. Trust Rattler Nation. I'm telling you. So, I, honestly, this is how the big boys do it, too, frankly. Now, they, of course, do it on a level. At, at, it ain't the same scalability. Yeah, 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 yeah. It ain't the same scalability. But that's how that's how winning tradition uh, programs do it. You know, you know, they – they do it together, you know. You know, the president, AD, don't do it by themselves, and so at the end of the day, we got where we need to be for now. I, I think what's also hey, important, uh, Kelvin. Hold up, Kelvin. Uh, no, correct me if I'm wrong. Griffey left while Simmons was still there, if I remember that correctly. Yeah, he jumped. He jumped in the port in December, early December. Okay, well, that's what mid, mid December, ahead, and that was a playing time yeah. thing. I, I think. Yeah. Griffey was stuck on special teams, and I think he wanted to get some 
some actual playing time in the secondary. Drew, I'm, I'm, ooh, yes, sir. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think, I, yeah, <laughs> I think, um, I, I, I think that's what that was about. But let me, let me, let me uh, ask this, Kelvin, because I got a thought. That, yeah, I got a thought that, um. The name okay, so before we get into talking about the search committee, the search firm and the names that got released anyway, but if it's if you believe what's out there or believe what we can sort of confirm that four of the candidates were internal and the external was Fred McNair. If if you believe that, you know, um I have I've kind of heard some people say that the the finances to want to bring Fred McNair that there was opportunities that uh the DSOs the support organizations weren't going to give the money to bring in Fred McNair um have you heard anything similar to that uh, meaning the DSOs are basically telling anybody who would listen that look here's your options <laughs> you, you essentially have four names to choose from which one of the four are you going to choose from if you want anything over that 200. Right, yes. If you want anything over that 200,000, yes. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's 250 now. It's uh, 250 okay. this year. Okay. Uh, okay. Last year, but. Yeah. But but if you watch the search committee process, oh. it was real clear. I mean, absolutely. That, that was, was the stance, right? We want to go internal. We understand that, you know, from a compensation standpoint, there's some big names included but you know which we're not sure we're going to be able to negotiate in good faith and, and get that and then you know i think you know the players frankly uh they were really vocal about having an internal candidate and everybody was on the same page that's that's my thing outside of the daggone president you know what? outside of president ad everybody everybody was on the same page pretty much so, I mean, you know, if you're going to rely on your fan base to support you, it, it, it was important because I, I had heard a lot of people saying, you know, they were questioning whether they would do investing in champions, whether they would actually show up to games. And, and they were pretty serious and committed to that. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I heard some of the things you said, and I believe Rally Nation would have reacted negatively had this not happened. And, you know, Drew, and Drew, I'll even, you know, pose this to you as well. What I find interesting listening to other people outside. And, again, every culture at every HBCU is different. And I don't profess to know every culture. And, and, I, and I'll be honest. I, what I, I, think, I think what I have learned in this process as someone who we talk about all HBCU sports, um, the biggest thing I think that any – talking head, journalist, writer, reporter, understand that fan base. Now, whether you agree or disagree with, you know, how they do things or how they roll, right? And you can choose to have your opinions. I mean, you know, I'm not holding you back on your opinions. But I think you're, you're missing a true understanding of the fan base, when you just simply say, oh, well, she's the AD and she and the president should have the right and final say 
as to who is the head football coach. And I, I would think, you know, that may work in some places, but in other places that, that you could go look at the history and say, that's not, that's not how it should roll. So I, I think the biggest learning point for me is as future searches come up, you know, I'm not going to be so quick to be judgmental of fan bases um, that may say, yeah, I don't think that guy's a good fit. I mean, I, for example, I could point to a great article and interview regarding potentially Hugh Jackson going to Morehouse as a great example. And, and, you know, that's coming from an alum. And I think we as outsiders, when you're outside of that network, listen to the people who are in it. Hear their passion. Hear what they are passionate about. Hear the why. Instead of just making a blanket statement and trying to sell that as, oh, you you rattlers are crazy, or, oh, you rattlers ought to just go ahead and have a board and let a board make all the doggone decisions. Well, that's, that's not that's not what we're that's not what we're fussing and screaming and kicking about. But if that's what you want to think, then okay. So, I don't know. Um, it, you you care to comment on that, Drew, uh, or get, any thoughts there? Piece of that. Yeah, please, piece of that. please, please. Uh, technically, you are correct, and the decision rests with the athletic director and the president. Yes, you are correct. And they should be making the decision. But also, how they say, uh, you got to make your bed and lie in it. They also have to keep that in mind when they go with a decision that is so far left of what the masses want. Because, like on December 29th, there's going to come a time but you're going to ask your DSOs for some assistance. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to continue to go left, they're not going to support you. If your kids, you give your kids $20 for lunch money on Monday, and that's supposed to last the entire week. And your child asks you on Wednesday for some more lunch money, what happened to the twenty dollars I already gave you? You didn't spend it wisely. You didn't do what I uh whatever it is, whatever I told you to do with that money. So you're gonna be more reluctant on Wednesday to give that person an additional twenty dollars to get them through the week. And it's the same thing with these uh with the DSOs. Yes, technically they are, you are correct, but you you there is a fine line that you have to walk. If if it ain't broke. Don't fix it. And I think in the establishing, I want to do things my way. I think my way is is better. And it may be better. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So if you if you used to drive in a, a Cadillac Brian, when you go to purchase a new car. After about four or five years, what's the, what, where the first place you're going? You're going back to the Cadillac dealership. You're not going over the full, to, to the Lincoln dealership. You're not going to the Lexus dealership. You're going to look at the Cadillac dealership first because you have been satisfied with what you have been driving. 
I think in a nutshell, that's what the people here wanted. They wanted to continue with their same Cadillac. You know, now you might scale up or scale down in the type of Cadillac that you drive, but you still want that Cadillac. Um, we got to talk about uh, late Friday night. Late Friday night, the names of there were forty five applicants. We did know last weekend. Oh, okay. were, oh, before you before you get to that, can I ask Kelvin a question? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, because because I want to get in on that. But Kelvin, I've got to ask you this question, man. Mm-hmm. All all three of us gra- graduates of Florida A and M University. Brian and myself graduates of the illustrious school of business and industry one of the top business schools in the nation but nowhere did dr Sybil c mombi ever have on the curriculum or a course that i took where you go and spend fifty thousand dollars on a search committee to tell you that the best candidate that you have is internal and of, of, of the candidates that you've already had, you've already named, you already named him the interim soon as the, soon as the other coach left. What we do that at? Why? What what is the thinking behind? Behind this, why why did we need to go spend fifty thousand dollars for that affirmation that we already had what we needed in our own living room, man? Was it fifty? I thought it was seventy-five. Who knows oh, what that number is? Got a new number. Yeah, who knows what the number is? Because we know sunshine law. We know some of that. It's it's only three or four days of work. But to answer your question, beauty lies in the eye of the beholder. So. I believe that our administration thought that they could outmaneuver Rattler Nation. I think that's what it really was about. The fact that, you know, it, they had went left in the re- and the reaction from the Rattler community at large was so, so vigorous and immediate that, you know, it was like, well, we got to figure a way to get where we're trying to get to. And they were only concerned. And a ton of vision was only concerned about getting to where they wanted to go. They could care less about what the players and the DSOs and the Rattler community at large was going. So that, to me, I think it was just a tactical process to introduce the search firm. And that way, when they made their recommendations and their candidate, whoever they met, that might have been, was in that, then they could say, hey, it wasn't us. This was recommended to us by a professional firm who does this for a living, and and we can go with that. And they thought that would provide them cover. But they got one-upped at that meeting when the board of trustees reacted to that by saying, okay. You can do the, the, the search committee, but I mean, you can have a search firm, but we're going to have a search committee too. And these are the people who are going to be on the search committee. That was the beauty part of it because it was all DSOs, a football player, so and, and, and foundation and NA. So 
there was no way around it. So the, those are the major constituents uh, with the athletic department in terms of funding. And then, it's, of course, a student athlete. So when they when they upped them by having a search firm that neutralized that maneuver to try to get around the, the alumni. Y'all think, you know, folks are just slow country bunkies around here. <laughs> Fam, you was a very, we some very intelligent uh, conniving when need be people. <laughs> gotta, gotta be careful. I believe, everybody, I believe everybody know that now. Well, they should. They should. And, and uh, to top it off, we wasted four valuable weeks in the recruiting we process. We did. So that's that, that's that's the icing on that's the icing on the cake. We wasted four and, valuable weeks and lost some transfers that were would have absolutely been difference makers. Top. Some yep. some commits, right? With what we have and what we already signed that's on campus and what we got returning, um, which at some point, Brian, it'd probably be on our, our next show, but when we or our recruiting show, but people got to look at what family football is returning. We we will be the favorites coming out of uh spring ball with 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 what we got returning. We got an entire offensive line returning. We got two running backs out of our, out of the top three returning. You know, uh we we got a lot of you know, you still got gasset and 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 gross tight end and 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 you know we, we got a lot of pieces, so so we ain't we ain't going nowhere. No, we're we're not. Um, and I think what we'll have to do on Wednesday, and and with the help of Marcus Green, who he's uh, for those who don't know, he he stays abreast of what's going on in recruiting. Some of those names that decommitted, they may not have committed to somewhere new just yet. So you commit all you want to. It's it's on February, that first Wednesday in February when you sign. Well, that makes that's it that's my happen. point. That's what I'm saying. Some of those guys who left. There may be an opportunity to get those guys back, um, and and you already mentioned a couple of names, but let me let me transition. Obviously, so what we did find out through the and, and you know, Ever more stupid, huh? Ever more is officially stupid. I just want you to know he is crazy. <laughs> we, we hey, look, what we did find out last week through this search firm process that forty five candidates had applied for the job. And if anybody watched that live meeting, okay, uh, last week, okay, so they did the whole number versus name thing, and then they talked in code, which really you could kind of break down the code, and maybe you could kind of figure out who the names were. Um, then late Friday night or early Saturday morning, I don't know, depending upon when you saw it, the actual list of forty-five names hit the hit the waves. Now I'm not gonna say who I saw it from, but I will say it was from somebody outside the family. Okay. And you know, so somebody who who loves to sprinkle, you know, just took glee out of out of the fact that, oh, you rattlers, boy, y'all can't keep nothing quiet. Can't do it anyway. But so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna we're not gonna talk on that. Okay. You can figure it out on your own. But the list was out there. And what I found interesting about the list, so basing the list that was released with the names that the search firm tried to express as candidates to the committee, you had former head coach, 
SWAT champion in Fred McNair. Obviously, you had James Colsey. You had a uh, current um, XFL head coach who also had won an HBCU national championship, uh, had a successful run at two different schools in Reggie Barlow. You also had, uh, supposedly, a current head coach uh, at Valdosta State, Jermaine Jackson. And then you had an NFL assistant coach um, in Van Malone, who uh, I think Malone was with the um, – is he currently with Kansas State? Let me see. Hold on. I'll tell you exactly. Um, yeah, Kansas State. So. Kansas State. And then, for for good measure, um, you had – let me see. Wait, two – you had two other two other recommendations. This was a trip. They recommended a director of high school and community community relations coach at Michigan State. I'm just gonna let that sit there on its own. And another head coach from out of the XFL. So in all, they they gave FAMU seven names and said, "Hey, these are the seven names that you all ought to take." And then the search, and then the committee turned around and said. Nah, we like one, two, three, four, the four internals. And yeah, if you want to give us Fred McNair, we just have to have a fifth. We'll take Fred McNair. But the search firm really wanted to push Reggie Barlow. The committee wouldn't take Reggie Barlow. They didn't, they didn't, uh, for whatever reason, they chose they chose Fred McNair over Reggie Barlow. But just in looking at the list in general, uh I was I was I was interested in the fact that you had three XFL head coaches uh that were part of it. That was interesting. Um you had some former head coaches around the SWAC that were a part of the list. You know, Rod Reed was, from Tennessee State. I, I thought Rod Reed was quite interesting. Terry Sims, former Bethune Cookman yeah. head coach, was part of this mix as well. Mil- Mike Milter. Mike Minter, yes, was also uh, a part Campbell. of this as well. Um, you had some names such as Canard uh, uh, Lane from uh, North Carolina A&T. Um, I remember Carnard, of course, he uh, worked down here in, in the Orlando market. Um, it was so it was a, quite an impressive list. Reginald Ruffin, athletic director. Uh, Reginald Ruffin, yeah, yeah, was part of this. So, so I and, and I know Drew wants to touch on this topic, but. Does the releasing of the list bother you in any way, Kelvin? And and when you look at the names, and that maybe is part two. I'm gonna we'll let Kelvin go first, Drew. I know it bothers you. So first question is <laughs> to, to what level we had a whole 20 minute conversation about does it earlier. Releasing of the names bother you. And then um maybe if you would, what impressed you about it? And, and so I just looked at my time, so I want to do this. I want you back for the next segment. Let me take a break, and then that's where we're going to answer and come back in the next segment and talk about that 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 list and uh, just uh, just your thoughts. And I know Drew's got thoughts on it as well. So hang tight. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment right here on the Black College Sports Network. 
Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Amber May, and I'm a voice actor out here in Los Angeles. I'm the voice of Dia in Genshin Impact, Yen Ching in Honkai Star Rail, um, the narrator in Comey Can't Communicate, and I also voice Brooklyn Barbie in the movie Barbie Big City Big Dreams. I'm here to let you know that I'm going to be a guest this year at Urban Nerd Con in Atlanta. Yeah, woo! That's going to be April 26th through the 28th at the... Uh, where, where are we going again? It's going to be at the Cortland Grand Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia. So, if you're a Genshin Impact fan, a MiHoYo fan, and you live on the East Coast, you got no excuse. Come see me. Urban Nerd Con. Our heroes, our villains, our stories. Come on down. Let's do it! Let's get it on! Ugh! TheUrbanNerdCon.net to get your buy one, get one free badges before the price increases. Remember, our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Welcome back, BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Our guest right now, Kelvin Rozier, co-host of the ONG Strike Zone every Wednesday night right here on the Black College Sports Network, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. So coming out of the last break, uh, I asked Kelvin, and I know Drew wants to talk on the releasing of the names, the 45 names on the search firm's list that they submitted to the committee people who applied and wanted to be the 19th head coach at Florida A&M University. So, Kelvin, I'll, I'll let you kind of talk on just your thoughts about the releasing of the names and just the the, the actual names themselves. I was very disappointed with pretty much the entire process since Coach Simmons left to announcing the uh, selection of Coach Cozy by – what uh press release basically is you know instead of you know having them on site and actually doing a a live uh uh press conference so i've been disappointed with this entire process with the exception of strangely enough the search committee process i thought that was beautiful i thought it was well orchestrated i thought <laughs> it was very trans- orchestrated <laughs> i, I orchestrated. thought it was very transparent they didn't try to pretend. They didn't try to pretend at all. So outside of that, I thought that was a beautiful. I thought. I, I thought outside of that, I thought it was a horrible. Everything's been bad. And yes, in terms of releasing names, I want to be professional, and that's not professional. Those people have jobs. They have livelihoods at stake, and and some, you know, probably submitted their names with the, you know, with the understanding 
that it wouldn't be released because it could cause them problems with their current situation. So typically that's why, and and they probably had no inkling that it, it would be an issue because it was a reputable search firm. So yeah, the releasing of the names um, publicly is is unprofessional and, and very unsavory for me. Absolutely, and, and if you look at the caliber of of, of those candidates, man, uh, it was great. A bunch of head coaches at different levels, some with HBCU experience, some with uh, FBS experience, some with NFL experience, some with a combination of others. Um, you, I also. The one, one of the things I did like is that we had four internal candidates that submitted. I thought that was important because to me, what that showed was that ultimately there was some level of, of respect and coordination with our own internal candidates, frankly. Like, hey, let's all pull out. We all qualify. Let's put our name in the hat and and maybe one of us get it, man. We can kind of keep this thing together. So, so uh, uh, I, I thought that I was I was impressed because remember it was only three days that we yeah. had this uh the, the gather those names. So to have the quality names we had in three days shows the power of the fam. You brand number one, but absolutely that 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 uh list being leaked was unprofessional and and it was unsavory. Uh, Drew, um, I know you got some thoughts. I, I got some thoughts too, but I, I want to give you uh, your moment here. Oh, I've got so many thoughts on so many levels. <laughs> uh, let's start off with the, with the with the root of the uh, problem, Kelvin. Who is the freaking mole? Who is the one who was in the room or got a copy of the list? Because you could tell that was not somebody that that was an actual copy of the list and mm-hmm. took it outside. I got hacked. I got hacked. That's that is number one. Number one and, and foremost. Who is the freaking mole? Whose computer got hacked? You can come up with any excuse you want to. That that's the person. That needs to be that person no longer needs to be on any type of committee of this level. Number one. Number two. Come tomorrow morning before nine o'clock. I give it to 10. There may be some conversations at a few institutions or with a few organizations. Now, if that if those who are currently assistant coaches, they be, they be school everybody on how this normally goes, especially having been in the coaching uh, field. Normally, when an assistant coach applies for a head coaching job somewhere else, you know they tend to inform their their head coach that hey, I'm going after this job. You know, uh, obviously the head coach, if he's any type of person of character is going to give them some type of recommendation, especially if they know somebody who's possibly doing the interviewing on the other side. That's that level. Then you have the the head coaches. Very few head coaches have the cachet to walk into their athletic director's office and say, I just put my name in the hat for a job at XYZ University. 
very few. So those are those conversations that I'm going to be talking about tomorrow. If there was a there was a current athletic director who, who may be having a conversation with their president. And those who are working on the professional ranks, they're gonna have a conversation with the CEO of the team that they're working for. So putting out that list was harmful in so many ways to so many people. We're in this social media age where everybody wants information, everybody wants information. All information is not good information. And all information that is put into the atmosphere is not good for the person who the information is about, you know. So I am very highly disappointed that that list was released in that way. And then there's a third level of this. As a member of the media, and I know I have gotten information, sensitive information from sources. When I get that type of information, I have to do some soul searching and some serious evaluation. Why is this person giving me this information? Are they trying to sabotage somebody or trying to sabotage a process? That's number one. Number two, should I release this information? Because if I release this information and I get this from a anonymous source, it may be very easy for the people to figure out who my anonymous source is. Now, as a journalist, I have to go and first of all, I should go and verify that information with other sources. How do we know that that is the actual list? How do we know that Kelvin's cousin didn't just go on and do an Excel spreadsheet and make up some names and put them on the list and say, this is the list. But I need to verify that list, which means I need to get at least one more source, preferably two. Three sources is better. If I've got about five sources and I release some information like that, then the people who are privy to that information really don't know where I got it from because they can't single out that one person. So there's a lot that's going on. And lastly, as a, as a journalist, if I get this information and somebody says, keep this information in confidence and I still release it, now I have burned the source for a very long time because they're not going to give me that information in confidence anymore and expect me to hold on to it, you know, because I've got if I've gotten information, I've, I've had the article written, but I don't hear sin. So when it does come up, then I can hit sin. I'd rather be right than first. That's just me speaking. So and and that was the short version of the conversation that Brian and I had earlier today for everybody who's who's on here. Well, let me let me let me say this. What I what I was looking at, there were two active head coaches on the list. 
Um, you know, I mentioned some of the other names that the two of the XFL head coaches, their team was not consolidated into part of the new UFL. So there are yeah. only yeah, so there are only two active head coaches. And amongst the former head coaches, obviously they're former. So they're all looking for jobs, surely. You got assistant coaches. Now, I would like to think that any assistant coach that has a job and you have an opportunity to apply to be a head coaching job, I think that's kind of understandable. And you would probably, I won't say always, but probably get sort of that okay, that blessing from your head coach. You know, we we have thanks for that big nose, so I can so I can have a backup in case you do get that job. Well, yeah, I mean, I I don't know when that okay comes down. I you know, I think I think if I'm an assistant coach and I applied for the job, I applied for the job. If you were to get an interview, I think at that point you're probably then telling your head coach, you know, hey coach, I just want to let you know, I uh, I applied for this job at FAMU, or or who knows? I, I really don't know how that you know. It's sensitive, okay, but a lot, of, a lot of times, a head coach helped to try to help you get a job at another institution. True, true, that's true, that's true. But I've just also so you could advance your career and take care of your family. I've I, and heard, I'll say that coaches of character. I've also heard that coaches will demote a guy who might have been off trying to get a job somewhere. I ain't gonna say where that happened at, but that's the word that I heard. But anyway, um, so it's it has been known to go sideways. Okay, but anyway, um, the actual releasing of the names um, is messy. And and a lot of people saying, where could it come from? Well, let's look at it. You know, I I still keep trying to figure out what were the incentives and who would have released it, you know? And sometimes, sometimes you got to maybe look really high to figure out, well, why would that person want to release it? Okay. To maybe, you know, sort of muck up the pool to kind of say, oh, well, since you all are being messy, I might release it. Or through through a third party, I might just happen to leave a computer open. And when so-and-so, you know, goes by my computer desk and they see a list, I'm like, oh, what? you know. Anything. I'm. I'm we, not making. Any, we got I'm the We got the common printer in the office, and I forgot to pull the paper off of it. Exactly. You know. You know how. <laughs> I forgot to pick exactly. up the print out. <laughs> I print. I hit. I hit print. Uh, I hit print twice. I, so all these. But anyway. So all that to say, whichever, whichever truth you want to believe, it it is messy. Now, my question before I get to the other thing regarding media and journalists, Kelvin, I'm. As what you know about Sunshine Laws, would that would those names have come out eventually, even if, let's say, everybody was true and and showed integrity and not released the list? Would they have eventually come out? Could somebody have uh, uh, requested that they do come out? I'm not sure if if that's covered. I know they've they've changed the process now, uh, the law that governs that so that you can share some things uh, from the, from the public in terms of that kind of process. Um, the, the search committee part of it and people who are actually interviewed, I would think, yes, the actual um, applicants somewhat down the road, you probably could ask for that. It's a process. You have to pay for that information. 
but I don't know if it's and there's usually a time frame with that too. You, yeah, you have to wait so long to do it, and that's part of that is to protect the the people who uh right the applicant basically if that is the case. I know it's some things you gotta wait a year, three years, depending on the type of information that you're looking for. Right, so it's possible. Okay. Um so with 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 that said, I, I so I, I don't know when or if the names would have ever come out, but um I will say this in 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 regards to media, okay, releasing the names. Now I think it honestly it depends on what type of platform and what type of show you have. Um if you are a print uh, newspaper or print news organization, I think you probably roll with traditional uh, AP sourcing and standard rules of procedures that most journalists work from. Where if you would have been given this list, you know, let, let's just say I'm not, no, no, let me, I'm just going to stick to what I said. Okay. Um, if a newspaper, if I worked at a newspaper and I were given this list, so I'm looking at the list like, hmm, I'm probably contacting individual people individually, not their bosses, but individually saying, hey, I saw your name was on the list for consideration for this job. Would you care to comment and, and probably go so far as going off the record? Would you like to so so that maybe if the opportunity presents itself, you're able to find out information about the process, or maybe even talk about that person if it opens up that they applied for that position later on. You know what I'm saying? Um, but if you're in a if you're in a situation where, or your 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 job, or your network, or your your streaming uh, platform is all about uh, news and information that's current, that's relative, that is now clickable, you know, whatever you want to use, then posting and putting that information out there gets people talking. Okay, and so I I think you have to redefine this whole and look, I'm, I'm not in the journalism schools these days, so don't get me here. I, I think, though, you have to the, the whole real journalist thing, you know, them boys, I think there's there's a different type of media today. Media is different. Media is instant. I'm not, I don't have any, and I'm, I'm saying this, I, I, I wouldn't have done it, but I have no problem with as, as bad as it is for those individuals. And I, and I hate it for those individuals. I don't have a problem with an entity wanting to post names in real time because it generates conversation. It generates topic. It generates interest. Now, the good and bad of that is not my concern, because at the end of the day, like you just said, Drew, who is the who is the party to blame? Who's the party to look at? It's what the person who released it. It's the mole. Or maybe even like you said, Kelvin, the whole process in itself was flawed. OK, I, that those are the real villains. 
me as the entity, me as, you know, I'm going to say CBNN, you know, Brian News Network. I'm not the I'm not the guilty party for releasing this information out. In the I thought streets. the beat was for something else. <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> I'm not the bad guy because I put the information out there, right? Right? I'm not the bad. I shouldn't be the bad guy. I really shouldn't. Okay. So I, I mean, I just you know I don't I don't think it's and I you know so I I think we got to be careful about you know jumping on the messenger when you can really jump on the message or the person who uh, controls the message. Don't What's that old saying? Don't shoot the messenger. That's just my two. Yeah. Uh, hey, Brian. Yeah. While we got Kelvin on here, I got a question I want to get to with him. See if he can help us uh, decipher some numbers, man. Go ahead. All right. All right, Kelvin, maybe you can help me figure this out. Thus far, we have had 12 open football head coach searches this offseason. 12. 10 of those have been filled thus far. And if you quickly want me to go, I'll quickly go down the names. Alcorn, Allen, Benedict, Clark Atlanta, Florida AM, Grambling, Lincoln of Missouri, Morehouse, South Carolina State, Southern, St. Augustine's, and Texas Southern, with Morehouse and St. Augustine's still open. So of the 10 that have been filled, it has taken our institutions, our HBCU institutions, an average of 27.5 days to fill their vacancies. I'm going to take that one step further. Only two of the 10 jobs have been filled in less than three weeks. Mm. Why is that? That's easy. And it's, it's damn. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm ready for this. That, that, that that's a soft, that's a softball there, and and it falls into two. If it, it falls into two counts, but but they you know it's pretty much applicable applicable to most HBCUs. One, money. Typically, none of our HBCUs have oh. a budget set aside to replace people i think we're um, losing hold on we're here brian it might be your, your internet oh right? yeah, yeah it might have been me. i'm too. sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i keep going okay Kevin. okay so typically when a coach leave unexpectedly or expectedly we don't have a bucket of money sitting around to be able to pay that coach immediately off and his staff so a lot of times you got the financial side of it, nor do we have the money already sitting in place to actually replace that that coach. But but how 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 the, how the head coach usually and his assistants, if they leave, they've got leave time and benefits they have to be paid out, and they're sitting on a actual line. And in order to hire somebody else on that line, 
you have to clear out what's old to the person who's on that line before you can put somebody else new on that line. So a lot of times that's number one financially. Then the second part is administratively. We've got a lot of influencers. <laughs> we got a lot of stakeholders. And so everybody knows somebody. Everybody got a cousin, friend, uh, brother-in-law, you know, that's interested and, and can do the job. And so the bureaucracy of HBCU administration is the other big delay. We don't have a pre-list of folks we're looking at internally or externally, right? Even when we know we're going to get rid of people, we still don't, for whatever reason, have a short list established where this is my go-to folks and I'm and all I got to do is take this list to my DSOs, whoever my constituency is, say, hey, this is what we're looking at. You know, this is my recommendation. How do we feel about this? And then let's pull the trigger. So it's, it's budget and then it's the bureaucracy of HBCU administration, particularly when it comes to athletics. We're bad at the business and the operations of athletics. All right. Before I let you get a piece of this, Brian, I'll just go down. I'll just go down the list quickly of the uh, of all the coaching changes. Uh, Alcorn State former coach Fred Bigdary announced December nineteenth that he was leaving. Cedric Thomas was announced the same day. The best added zero days when they said one was leaving, the other coach was right there. Alcorn State of all schools who got it right. Of all be. schools who got it right, is all going to say. Allen. But hold on. Can, uh, I, can, I, can I add something about the Alcorn State thing? And he was, besides the fact that he was an internal hire? Well, look, okay, the Alcorn season ended when, in all honesty. But Fred McDare, yeah, but the, the season ended also, the third weekend in November. You also knew that what there was he a was contract, in, he was in the contract yeah. going on yes i want you to hold on to that thought when i get to another school though okay but keep going no well, I, i'm going. just saying you 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 uh, the ad probably had a backup plan to say if the fred mcnair thing doesn't work out this is what we're going to do and so that all is why, the school that's smart enough to do that i know it was just well i maybe they are but, but that's how you go from a zero day, uh, as we've seen at other schools very recently, but not HBCUs, when you have a plan in place in the event that the word is your coach may leave, okay, what's my plan when that happens? All right, okay, here we go. go. Ahead. I'm sorry. There you go. Allen, Teddy Keene, now November 27th. Cedric Pearl was announced on December 15th. That's 18 days. Benedict. Chinnisbury, December 12th, Ron Dickinson Jr., named January 25th, 44 days. Clark Atlanta, Richard Moncrief, who was serving as the interim, was uh, November 5th. And for, for the interim, I'm using the end of the season, the day after the last game of the season for people in those positions as my date of reference. Petty Keaton was announced November 27th, 22 days later. And remember, Willie Slater was uh, fired on October 3rd. So they they already should have been working on it because they had a whole month lead up before 
that that the interim go. Uh, Florida A&M, Willie Simmons, announced December 31st. James Cozy uh, was, will be named tomorrow. So I'm keeping that on the clock. Until they have that press conference, I'm keeping James Cozy on the clock. Hugh Jackson, November 28th. Nikki Joseph, December 18th, 20 days. I take that back. That was three, less than three weeks. Uh, Lincoln of Missouri, Jermaine Gales, December 11th. Moses Harper was announced January 17th, 37 days. Morehouse, Gerald Wiltshire, November 6th, which is the day after the season ended, and that job is still open. For those doing the math, we are at 83 days and counting at Morehouse. Yikes. South Carolina State, Buddy Pugh, November 19th, day after the last game, Berry, December 12th, 23 days. We know uh, Buddy announced his retirement on August 23rd, and we'll, get, we'll kind of give them a pass with, with the Berry hire because we know they had – we knew Chennis was their guy, and they had to wait until Benedict season was over before they could even pursue Chennisberry. So we can give them about a week buffer out of that twenty out of those 23 days, and I believe there was about a week uh, or so uh, overlap. Southern, Eric Dooley, November 15th. Terrence Graves was announced as the interim at that point in time, and it took until December 13th before they removed the interim tag from Terrence Graves. That was 28 days after Eric Dooley was uh, fired, quit, whatever you want to say. But we also uh, throw in the caveat with that, 18 days after the Bayou Classic. So we'll, we'll go with that for a, a frame of reference. St. Augustine. Howard Feggins uh, was uh, fired on October 13th. Judy Owens is the interim. Uh, we're at 107 days at St. Augustine, 83 days since the end of the season, and they have yet to name a replacement or remove the interim tags from Owens. And last but not least, te Texas Southern, the Clarence McKinney, they announced on November 20th that they would not be renewing his contract and Chris Dishman was was announced January twelfth, three days later. And while you were reading that, uh... and twenty that well, let me let me go to this that uh, the jobs are open for a total of two hundred and seventy five days. The ten jobs that have been filled for a total of two hundred seventy five days for a twenty seven point five day average. And if you throw Morehouse and St. Augustine in, I didn't want I didn't want to leave them in there because they mess up the curve. 465 days our institutions have been searching for a head coach. Right now, that's 38.75 days and counting until those two jobs are filled. Mm. Go ahead, go ahead, Brian. Well, okay, so um and i'm just going back and looking and it, it it makes sense i mean i i think everything you know everything you said but i but i also think given what kelvin said about the resources um it you are playing a game of finding your guy and, and i think also what should be considered is how many of these programs were really you got programs or you had coaches retired or stepped away, as in the case of one. South Carolina State, Florida, Florida, and 
I'm Florida. I well, coaches. I, I retired or stepped away. Florida A and M's coach stepped away. Buddy Pugh. Retired. No, he took another job. There's, there's a difference. He stepped Brian. away. Drew. He stepped away from the current stepped job. Away. Whatever, whatever the reason okay. is, he stepped away from it voluntarily. Wait, 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 wait. Chittis Berry stepped away from his job. Teddy Keaton stepped away from his job. They didn't take another head coach. To take job. another job. Okay, but three, not three. Three of those people on that list took a step left their current institution to take a job at another institution. All right. Two of them in the head coach role. One of them is an assistant coach. The only person who we knew was leaving was Buddy Pugh because he announced his retirement before the season. Every Everything else was either a, a personal move or a business move, one way or the other. All right. Well, I, I look, I, I think this is a great, you know, a great thing that you put together. Um, again, I mean, um, the whole – Alcorn being able to go from one to the next. I, I think I think you have to I think you can factor in the negotiating part. I, I think I think the Alcorn State thing should be looked at in the same respect as Clarence McKinney at Texas Southern. It was a person who was at the end of a contract. Contract was expiring. Contract was expiring. Yes. So you're instantly either negotiating with a new contract or you're looking to step away. So you know, we're we're arguing semantics here, but I I I do think it is a good case study in um uh a management procedures, and also what I found interesting when I was going back and looking at this, you know, only one of these groups went to a search committee that I know of, and that's Grambling. They went to a search committee. Uh, 10 days, no, 11 days after Hugh was dismissed from the, from the job. Um, they went to a search committee that was announced on December 8th. And then a week later, almost less than, well, 10 days, nine days later is when they had, you know, their name. So, you know, that, that seems to be on par, right? Didn't FAMU search committee kind of run? I don't know. Did it run nine days or run, it ran? I don't know how. I don't know if it ran less than nine days or not. But from from the time that you announced the search committee to the time that you named a coach, uh, it was about the same amount of time. So I think that's really real, uh, real interesting. But uh, good stuff there, Drew. Um, Kelvin, any any final thing? How, let me ask last question here for you, Kelvin, before we kind of end our time in this segment with you. How does the relationship between A.D. Sykes and Rattler Nation, or maybe even to say the DSOs, how do you how would you recommend that be repaired? Like if you were given the opportunity to advise or consult, how would you advise both parties maybe to come together and reconcile? I know there's been an ask of a specific uh, DSO to start that process from the alumni side. They have access to the more seasoned people. Um, We'll see how that happens. 
But ultimately, it's the responsibility, in my opinion, of the AD, first and foremost, and the president to kind of heal, heal that process because they don't want fractured it at the end of the day. You know, you, you come, you ask for these things, people respond and give you the resources. Then when they ask for something in return, you know, you, you kind of say, no, you give us our resources and we're going to do what we want to do. And you all don't matter. And it, it's bigger than just the alumni association, the DSOs. You got to build trust back with the coaching staff and with the players because they felt they, they communicated that they felt like they, they weren't um, being heard. Yeah. So, and that takes humility. And I just don't know. I, I hope so. I want to see it. I want to move forward. But I hadn't seen it, frankly, uh, from either over the past year in, in the kind of space that it need to be in anyway. So I I, I wonder, uh, I, you know, is 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 in the best interest of everybody for us to move forward? But there's some things still lingering now. There's still mm-hmm. some coaches who have some issues in terms of getting their salary right. And there's, there's there's some issues with in, in terms of rings uh, for the championship programs. Um, there there's still some 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 coaches who feel like the process wasn't transparent and that they were misled. So, so there's, there's plenty of work to be done, but ultimately it takes some, some, some humility and the will to want to try to uh, bridge the gap, you know, and I think it would be great. You start by trying to build a, um, relationships say hey this is the vision that we kind of working on how about y'all sharing with us some of the vision moving forward and which way we want to go we want to move this thing collaborative collaborative uh administration and not uh, uh you know not a uh, uh authoritarian or authoritarian type approach is going to work and um you, and, and frankly you're just going to have to take the hits she already took the L because at, uh, at the end of the day, Rattling Nation showed that, uh, you know, it, it shouldn't have been a battle against Rattling Nation and AD, but that's even how her friends and the media kind of turned it, what turned it into. That's how everybody saw it. The AD against a whole daggum university. Fan base, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's unfortunate. It's up, it's, it, ultimately, it's up her to fix it, though. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm just going to say this. Hopefully, in the future, we will have proactive conversations and planning instead of reactive. We were so reactive in this entire situation. We reacted to really not not having enough money instead of being proactive. This man just won a championship. Let's go out and raise his money so we can give this man his bonus. We reacted. To him leaving to go to to Duke, we reacted to the initial names were hired. We reacted to the the qualifications or the desire for a perfect candidate 
for the next head coach instead of being proactive. We have got to be more proactive when it comes to this stuff. Because as a Rattler fan, I have lost four weeks of my life dealing with this crap. You have four weeks that I cannot get uh, that I cannot get back. We should not have to should not have had to do this as rappers. Um, Let's go to break. What What is interesting? I'll, I'll say this: my final thought before we go to break. And again, appreciate Kelvin for coming in and joining us. The movement that many people within the Rattler Nation, but just in general, have had and the interest. I hope this same interest and the way that we came together and voiced our opinions um, in, a, in a season where, hey, guys, this is 2024. This is a political voting year, if in case anybody didn't know that or remember this right and sometime in november of this year i think we'll be voting on a a president and i it shouldn't be lost on anybody that this same energy we need to carry this through in in political ways in terms of being interested in what's going on politically within our communities within our state within our nation, because we do, there is power within the people. (laughs) If anything, we have seen that despite what, despite what we were told and despite media telling you, you don't have the power, you don't have the authority, you don't have the, but guess what? You do. You do have the authority and the power and the ability. And social media sort of gives you that outlet and that vehicle. And so I hope that, and it would be great if uh, it's, it's a great uh, opportunity for some political interest, party, group, individuals to really connect with a group or a fan base or different groups of people and connect with them. Right. Because I, I think, we, you know, I, I don't know if it's the right way of saying, but we could be going backwards. I don't know if that's the right way of thinking about it in, in four or in November, <laughs> but we got to be very careful. We got to be very careful. And so we do have power and we have to use it. So uh, we, if we can, if we can have this kind of fervor and excitement about who the next head football coach is. I hope we can have that same kind of energy as what did the kids say? Keep that same energy uh, going into November. Man, I ain't seen so many rattlers together since they was giving away food on the set on a Friday. Man. Hey, look, look, I'm telling you, man, we, we can be a powerful <laughs> voting block within the state of Florida and this country. I, you know, hey, just just saying. I'm just saying. All right, uh, Kelvin, I appreciate your time tonight. Again, make sure to join Kelvin and myself Wednesday night, along with Marcus Green, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Black College Sports Network for the ONG Strike Zone. We'll talk uh, more details, the press conference for James Colsey being announced as the 19th head football coach of Florida A&M will happen Monday afternoon. We'll talk about that, more other stuff, who, all these other kind of topics related to FAMU uh, that so many of you folks are interested in.
Hey, Brian, I just want to say one thing real quick. Please, I see yeah. there's a there's a you know conversation about the, the coaching staff specifically. I think we have a chance to keep everybody together. Their relationship is good. These guys have worked together two plus years and um they have great relationships. So there's no friction or no trust issues. As a matter of fact, I would tell you there's a full court press to make sure everybody stays. That's where we're unifying right now and trying to trying to get this this chip again. So that's where we at. The 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 power of the people on full display. Well said, Kelvin. So hopefully we'll have some more news. If you want to find out more, make sure to come join us. The ONG Strike Zone Wednesday night, uh, right here on the Black College Sports Network. All right, uh, Kelvin, appreciate your time tonight. We're gonna take a break. Come back. The SWAC schedule got released the football schedule so we know when and who's playing who and what time they're playing or well, not maybe not what time but we know where when the schedule we'll talk about that and we got a ton of basketball notes to talk about so i don't know how we're gonna get through all of it and still get out of here in a timely manner but we're gonna try our damnest you're watching the beast exactly you're watching the sports rap uh right here on the black college sports network we'll be back in just a moment Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? <laughs> oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to The Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Uh, I'm just trying to get through some things. Uh, Drew, it looks like our Detroit Lions are doing a great job right now. Man, uh, can you imagine how many Gators and uh, fur coats are going to be in Vegas? Should Detroit hold on? Um, 
that hey look you know what's been fascinating this season about the belief of Detroit Lions fans have you noticed at a mini Detroit I don't know how long you or if you've been paying attention to road games but there have been a lot of Lions fans at road games across the NFL this season like you can never find a Lions fan two three five ten years ago you can never find a Lions fan except in the city of Detroit. Now all of a sudden, this they, these guys are like coming out of hibernation. I mean, it's ridiculous how many. I mean, I'm happy for them, you know, because you know, just like Pistons fans back in the day. As who with who? Pistons fans, Detroit Pistons. Oh, fans. exactly. Yeah, I mean, you forget that Detroit is a big city. You forget how big the state of Michigan is, and that. You know, there's a lot of Lions fans that have just been dormant. And now they're out. And I mean, really, they have really, they've like gone to places and they have invaded cities um, and stadiums. And I, it's going to be interesting to watch should it turn out to be a Lions and Chiefs Super Bowl. I mean, I know, look, we're, we're here early. It's coming up near the, near a couple minutes away from halftime. But uh, I'm going to tell you where some of it come from, especially. Uh, you know, for the a lot of fans that look like us, people leave Detroit and move south, and they don't claim Detroit again until something <laughs> good happens. Same, and same thing with Chicago. Same thing with Chicago. Same thing with Chicago. You know, uh, African American fans we migrate from these big cities where for the last, you know. Our parents' generations migrated from the south up north. Mm-hmm. Now, our generation and our kids' generation are migrating from the north back down to the south because the south tends to have more opportunities uh, right now, especially, uh, you know, Atlanta is the melting pot. And when you get to these places, Atlanta, New Orleans, Los Angeles, et cetera, et cetera, Charlotte, Miami, Orlando, down in the South, all the people who, if they're not from there, their parents are from Detroit or lived in Detroit, and their family decides to come back out. You know, Brian, you're an indie fan, correct? I am. I'm no matter what, you no get, matter what, indie fan. I'm still the St. Louis Cardinals fan. Yep. So baseball, you know, baseball they, Cardinals, they, baseball Cardinals. Yes, baseball Cardinals. Because you are no longer an, an Arizona Cardinals fan who formerly were the No, I'm a, Kansas City, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. When 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 the St. Louis Cardinals moved to and became the Phoenix Cardinals, we had we had two choices, Chicago or KC. I became a KC fan. Yeah. Walter was gone, so that was that was the that was the next team. If Walter would have been around still. I might have went with Chicago, but Walter had just retired, so I became a Chiefs fan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, out. there's another. Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, Edwin said a lot of Detroit people in Dallas-Fort Worth area, pro- probably Houston also, if you're talking about in the state of Texas. That's crazy. That's crazy. And like I said, you don't really get a sense of it until you uh, until you see these games. And it's just something that I've noticed this year. Like, you know, like, like you know uh, – Steeler fans have a great reputation of being in everybody's stadium. 
Bills fans have started picking up that reputation as well. They're at everybody's stadium. And I just noticed this year that, doggone, man, the Lions fans are everywhere, buying up all the lower bowl seats, drinking up all the good liquor. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Lions fans are everywhere. But I tell you what. See, 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 here's the thing, Brian. If you've been a Lions fan uh, since Barry Sanders has retired, yeah, and that's probably the reason why a lot of those people are Lions fans because of Barry Sanders and I'm just sure. the hype that's the key was sure. just like Chicago. A lot of people became Bulls fans because of Jordan. But you've had you've had to root for a second team. Now you can go back and root for your original team. You can pull out, you can go buy some gear. I bet you the sales numbers <laughs> on the Lions gear is like been outrageous this year. The, they probably will have the largest increase uh, percentage-wise in the NFL this year. Oh, I, I easily. Yeah. It's sexy to be a Lions fan again. It is. It is. It is. It is. And and trust me, I remember those years as a Colts fan. Uh, there's fun. It's funny still even being a Colts fans now. Um, people, a lot of people's origins with being a Colts fan started with Peyton Manning. You know, now for me, I yes. was in Indianapolis when the team came, so I I'm one of the the original '84. Mayflower rolled in from Baltimore, Indianapolis Colts fans. But I, I, I love, I love everybody. Whenever you became a Colts fan, hey man, great. You know, hopefully one day we'll get back to to our winning ways. But uh, yeah, so you talking about Calvin Johnson or uh, Edward Moore? Yeah, Calvin Johnson. I think I think you probably have more people that were uh, Barry Sanders because Barry Sanders was a goat. I mean, he was. Billy Sims. Billy Sims. But see, that was a whole 20 years before Barry Sanders. See, 10 I remember, years. 10 I remember. years. It was only 10 years. Only 10? It wasn't even, quite, it, it wasn't even 10 years. Wow. Uh, okay. Billy, Billy Sims, I believe, retired in like 82, 83. He and came Barry out of Sanders, Right. And Barry Sanders came in like 87, 88. Yep. Yep. Out of Oklahoma State. Don Hippel, Rodney P, uh, uh, Andre Webb. That's how you yeah, know. That's remember how you all those names. We remember all those names, right? We remember all those yes. names. Okay, let's uh, let's do this. Let's show. There it is. the uh, The twenty twenty four SWAC conference schedule came out. Thankfully, thank goodness, the SWAC finally released it. You know, I I think they were waiting on schools to finish their schedules. Um, and that's why the SWAC didn't release it. Um, of course, you know, from our perspective uh, with Kelvin and I and Marcus, we kind of knew some dates with the, with related to Florida A&M. Um, and I think we were, we were kind of just waiting to kind of figure out where FAMU was going to play Valley. Um I don't know how much of studying of this you had a chance to have here, Drew. Uh, is this your first time really kind of looking at the matrix or looking at the schedule? Look, look at this deep at the matrix. I've, 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 saw, I've looked at some of the individual graphics uh, that everybody put out. And shout out to whoever worked in the SWAC media department for putting out those individual school graphics. All of those were on point. So I want to shout that person out. But yeah, uh, I've I've seen the chart, but I haven't studied it, Brian. Um, but what but what is your question? Well, no, I, I I'm just I'm just curious. Um, I, one of the things that I I want to try to do 
later is maybe kind of look at, and we will do this. I know we've done it in the past. We'll kind of look at strength of schedule and kind of figure out who has some tough, who has the tough games, uh, the tough spots. One thing I will say, and I'm, I'm just giving from a FAMU perspective, this is now, this is going into year four of the realignment or the, you know, yes. okay. Expansion. So the expansion, thank you. That's a better way of saying it. Um, and I know the first two years, Florida A&M had uh, Grambling and uh, UAPB. That was the two teams from the West. Right. This year. And next year, it's the, the Texas it, teams. Last year and this year were the two Texas schools, right? Right. Now, because of the fact that Southern is one of our designated rivals, out of the West, we have yet to play Alcorn. So, obviously, we didn't play Alcorn in the SWAC championship game. Um, but next year will be the first time that we play Alcorn, and the year after, we'll, it'll either be a home and away. Um, and I've been told that what there's a 10 year matrix that's that was created previously right. 10 year Correct. matrix. So, I'm kind of curious. If Southern is already one of the, how, how will that work? And maybe I, I hate to ask a future question, but I guess I'm looking at trying to say who hasn't played somebody yet. Like, I mean, really, it's just the Bethune. And I, I mean, everybody will have their problem next year, Brian. Uh, when the schedule rolls over, okay, you will you will have your that one team who you haven't played, and then that because you. Re- Technically, you're replacing their second team because that's that's a permanently locked game. So I'm going to assume that you're going to roll over to whoever team one is on your matrix, on your Western Conference matrix. So for us, that would be either UAPB or Grammy would be that. And then so now, and I'm just guessing on this, so... I'm guessing the Texas teams would be split uh, down the line on the second go round of this of this schedule. Hmm. Um, I do find now. I'm trying to see these are games. I do find it interesting when I look at you know, hey, who has tough starts? Um, Obviously, you see the gap. There's 831, which is week zero. No, I'm sorry, week one. Week zero is 824. So 831 is, you see, you got the Labor Day Classic between Prairie View and Texas Southern. Okay. And then you don't have another SWAC versus SWAC matchup until September 21 when you have Southern and Prairie View. And then you kind of get the season going the following week. And so... If I'm looking at hey your first three, your first three opponents, man, those are going to be tough. Take a look at Alabama A and M's first three opponents, and we talk about hey, it is what it is. A coach on the hot seat. How would you like to be Alabama A and M and Connell Maynard, where you have to uh, travel to FAMU, travel to Jackson? host Bethune, who I feel like, Drew, for the last year or two, we've said Bethune might be a sneaky team. 
I got a feeling Bethune is is going to be a pain in people's sides this year. This is the year where I think Coach Woody and Bethune really become uh, a, a pain in people's rear, um, especially in the East. But that's a tough three-game stretch. Any any other tough three-game stretches that you see off the bat that are kind of like, hmm, that's gonna be tough. How about how about uh Bethune? And if I'm reading this correctly, they travel to Southern, they travel to Texas Southern, and then have FAMU in the OBC to close out the season. Essentially, who, who is that again? Bethune. Oh, okay. I said OBC. I meant the Florida Classic. Florida Classic. Yeah, I meant to say Florida Classic. That's, oh, you talking about the four, four, uh, five? Oh, I saw that too. Five games in four weeks. Those five games in four weeks. Yeah, but, the, but those last three for Bethune. Is, is, go, is go, go even further outside of the last three. How about the last five? Oh, the last five were tough, but the last three on the road. Two on the road and then the neutral site class. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's that. That's a that that's a hell of a stretch right there for for any team. And and, and let's look at Texas Southern. Hello, Chris Dishman. New job. <laughs> I mean, in you got Southern by Grambling, FAMU, Alcorn. That three of those four. Three of those four are on the road. But you got a bye week in front of them, though, which gives you that extra. In front chance. of one of them, you've got Southern. You've got Southern. Bye. Well, Brian, we say bye week. Well, this is not, just on the conference side. You just don't have a right. conference game. Right. You don't know right. if that's a bye week. You're right. Good Where they're going to put those buys at? Good and point. here's the other thing: How many people will actually play twelve this year? Yeah, because everybody the option for the twelfth game for for the next two years. So who will play 12 versus taking that second back? And will that make a difference? That's the one thing when the full schedules come out for everybody that I want to look at. Who, who well, plays 12 versus the second back? No, you can you get you can still get two buys out of the 12 weeks because technically the college football not, not unless you, not unless you play week zero. Well, okay, and which FabU does. Right. That's why FabU has the two buys because we're playing week zero. But and if I, you're I playing, if you're playing a traditional season, you still only have the one back. Well, wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be advantageous of you to try to go out and schedule a week zero uh, next but, season? But you are, but those, but those week zeros have uh, special stipulations. Okay. You know, week right. zero has to be a nationally broadcast game, and uh, it's like three factors that allows you to play week zero. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Edwin, I think Edwin had pointed out going back to Alabama A&M that their first four conference games are all East division. So it's like you, you know where you're going to stand in the East by the first weekend in November. Right. Which I don't know if that, that could be good or bad, but what I do like the fact is that the SWAC schedulers did a great job with the schedule for the last four weeks of the season where you get the, you get everybody playing each other in November. And I think where it matters, you know, you, you kind of had this ex- long season. Yeah. 
I was going to say yeah. the only time in that last week is the one that they hold over for the Bayou Classic. The, the Bayou, right, right. But I, but I think you'll you'll kind of know. Obviously, you're going to watch the East matchups be decided. Um, you know, all in, in a couple of places. Um, you know, although kind of what's interesting is when you look at it, um, if you just think about the contenders. Alabama State, well, Alabama State only play. It's a lot of East versus West matchups going on in that last four weeks because in those last four weeks, Alabama State plays three schools from the West. Uh, FAMU plays two schools from the West. Which I, which I don't like. Yeah, me neither. I don't like that either now that I'm looking at it. Jackson State plays two schools three schools from the West. Two. Yeah. Uh, Alcorn's from no, the no, they only play the last the last three weeks. No, the only right. school they have, have from the West, two. they 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 play uh, in November. Alcorn. They play two West schools. They yeah, play Alcorn UAPB and Alcorn. Two. Yep, so they've they got two there. Um, you know, if you want to consider Bethune a potential contender, hell, Bethune's got three from the West. So, but yeah. let's let's flip, let's flip this. What that will do is that will already let you know where you stand as far as tiebreakers go going into those last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's true. Because we know because you know one of those tiebreakers is division records. Well, a lot of these teams will have finished off their division schedule going into those last couple of weeks. Correct. Hey, listen, let's look at somebody with the opportunity to get off to a good start, Brian. Let's look at Alcorn with Valley and UAPB to start the season. Alcorn, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So, and I think, and I think again, maybe next week's show will kind of show maybe the whole schedule because I know a lot of the schools have released their full season, um, but I think it'll give us an opportunity to kind of to kind of look at the look at the whole schedule. I think they're coming here towards yeah. halftime here in this game and the Detroit Lions got a 24 to 7 lead going into halftime. Yikes. I just got one question, Brian. Yeah. Who did put that back up? Who did UAPB piss off and to have eight sweat games in a row? <laughs> uh, the Thorn only one step better. They got seven in a row. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they've got seven in a row. Is that the you've got obviously you have the eight in a row for UAPB. Everybody everybody else's is broken up. Seven in a row for Bethune. Everybody else is kind of broken up somehow, some kind of way. And and, and, and I think Perev, you got the best the best of it when it comes to the conference schedule. Yeah, they got three coming out the gate, but then they then they get away from swag competition. Then they got one, get away from swag competition. And then they got then they got those four in a row. Good stuff. Okay, let's uh let's quickly kind of hit through some basketball news and notes, Drew, because I I've seen a couple people talking about it, and I know we got a litany of of notes here to go through. Um, we'll kind of just hit with the 
before we kind of go conference through conference, just the, the bigger headlines. Um, oh, that reminds me. That reminds me. I'm going to – do you want to try to pull up that tweet uh, from Mo Carter's account? Well, actually, do this. Do this, Drew. You see the notes. I'm going to I'm gonna pull the tweet up, and you you go through those first couple bullet points there um, through our basketball notes. All right. While I, that, while I get that ready. Let's, let's start off with our independent team, North Carolina A&T. The women basketball are tied first place in the CAA. They have won five straight and eight of their last nine. Actually, uh, add one. Yeah. Add one to that. They they beat Elon today. So the, Today. Okay, so nine of ten. Yeah. Six in a row, nine of ten. And they're probably yeah, and I don't I don't know I know we got some Aggies in the chat. They might even be in solo first place. Who knows? Right. And uh, four game road winning streak. Uh, Tennessee State. Hey, how about them? Let's not forget about the Tigers. They have won four in a row. Last two on the road, and their next game is against Moorhead State Thursday at home, and that game will be on ESPN. Plus, and I talked about it earlier today. If you missed the end of the Tuskegee Miles game, a game where neither team ever had a large lead in the game, uh, I don't think any team was up by more than two possessions from what I remember watching of that game. And 54-53 on an and one opportunity with one point, was it 1.3 or 1.8 left on the clock, something like that. On that. Say it again. Something like that. Yeah, I got the video ready. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let, let, let's go through and. Third off. The Anthony Pennington with the rock. 15 seconds to go. Here's Pennington. Pennington's going to drive. Go off glass. Misses the shot. Rebound Draper. Draper throws it out to Pennington for three. Off the mark. Rebound left. And it's good. Martez Jones with the putback, and we are tied inside of the Knoxville Gymnasium at 53. And they called a foul. Oh my goodness. Mo Carter, great, great passion, great excitement there by Mo with Carter. With the putback, the FIAC's leading rebounder. With his 18 point, now have a chance to put Tuskegee up and possibly win this game. Free throw attempt is good. Tuskegee up 54 to 53. Coach Watson wants a timeout. All right. Can I can I throw my two cents in on that? Please. Uh, just say FYI. I coached Martez Jones in middle school. <laughs> oh, wow. That's funny. You feeling yeah. old right now? Yeah. <laughs> kind of sort of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he was one of them. Uh, uh, he was uh, that next generation of post players that came through the uh, Tuskegee era. We had a a good 10-year run of post players uh, at our local high school there. And he was that next generation uh, when I uh, left Tuskegee. So, 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, all right. I heard you. Uh, uh, did you? I got, you were at the I got through the first three. Yeah. All yeah, right. Uh, if, and I saw somebody talked about this in the chat. If you didn't see the ending of the South Carolina State Dell State game, what an outstanding finish that was. Um, Delaware State was unbeaten in conference play going into the game. Um, they had scored a bucket to, uh, I think, to take the lead by two. And uh, I think that video I saw on HBCU Game Day's Twitter feed. But then I saw the act, all I saw from South Carolina State, they had retweeted the ending play, which was almost a, a full court driving kick for three uh, to, to, to win the game by one. Or no, they won the game by two, 66-64, I think. Yeah. And speaking of uh, games ending crazy, if everyone would go back to Monday night's game seen right here on the Black College Sports Network, women's basketball, Clark, Atlanta, and Savannah State, oh, my God, talk about the most controversial ending that I have ever witnessed in basketball. That had to be top three. Describe it because you didn't tell me about this. You know, yes. I had a, I got oh, busy at the, uh, I got a busy life at at my high, at my school, so I I must have missed this. Yes, uh, Savannah State was down a down a point. I do I, I do believe no, they were down. Yeah, they were down a point. And Naya Allen for Savannah State drove to the bucket. Horn goes off from the video. The ball was still in her hand. Me watching the raw video, and I was watching the game live right here on the Black College Sports Network. They decided to count the basket. Mm. And there was the beating of the minds of the referees. You've got both teams on the court. Still waiting on the decision because uh, the coaches, both they're going back and forth with the coaches. They changed the call, literally, Brian, five times. Mm. First, they didn't count the basket. Then they did count the basket. Then they said it was a they said it was a foul on the play, making it an and one opportunity, which means they have to put time back on the clock and put Allen at the line, then they took away then they took away the basket and said she was fouled, which would have been, since uh, Clark was in the bonus, which would have been two shots to tie the game. Finally, after all that, they counted the basket and got the hell up out of there. And South Carolina State won. I mean, not, not South Carolina, Savannah right. State won. S- Savannah State, yes. Uh, now, well, as an official, you are an official. I love hearing what, what do you think? Who, who gets to make the final call in that? Yeah. I know you're meeting as a group, but isn't somebody like the, the head person who gets to really kind of make the final call. All right. And uh, now I'm going to try to get technical without nerving you out on this one, Brian. Please. Yeah. In, 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 in college basketball. The C official, the center official, always has the clock. 
So if you think about uh, for the layperson, they work a three-man uh, rotation. You always have two on one side of the court, and then you have one person over on the other side of the court by, by himself or herself. That person over on the court by themselves has the clock. They're the primary person on the clock with the trail official. That's the one closest to half court being the second person on the clock. And that person only comes in and helps out if the ball is in the C officials primary. That means if the drive or whatever the shot came from them, that they need they need the referee to play and not be referee in the clock. And the lead official, that's the one on the baseline, should never have the clock, should not have an opinion on the clock. So that's it in a nutshell, Brian. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you did. You did. Um, oh, uh, Blue, Jack, Blue Jacket for Life gave some uh, clarity on that situation. I'm, I'm I'm glad for that because we weren't able to uh, bring that off the call. Yes, they did count the basket after the buzzer, uh, blue jacket for life. But he says, Clark refused to come back out on the floor, so the referees left. So, and so the that game explains... Awarded, the game was awarded to, to Savannah State. Yes, that explains why they never shot the the extra shot the free throw for the apparent foul. So, but my thing was, if there was a foul, I from what I get in Blue Jacket for Life, if you were there, you may be able to clarify this for me. I think from what I picked up, they actually called the foul before the shot, which means those two points should have came off of the board. I never saw the points come off the board watching the video. Now, you were there. You you may be able to clarify that differently for me. But if the foul was called before the shot, like I said once before, the, the, back, the points come off the board, and she goes to the line for the two to tie the game. All right. But here, here, here's the problem with all that, Brian. SIAC is one of the few conferences out there who do not utilize replay at that level. That's the problem. Hmm. All right. Um, yeah, I guess Edwin, look, Edwin is saying, can you refuse to come back on the court? I guess so. Uh, you know. Um, okay. Keep it, keeping it moving here. Uh, so, that was Savannah State on Monday, so it kind of, I, I, is it is it uh, the basketball gods saying a little something something when you blow a twenty seven point lead later on in the week because that's what happened to uh, Savannah State's women. Um, they're it, they're in first place in the Eastern Division. Uh, they're going up against an Edward Waters team that was like three and thirteen going into the game, had only won one conference game, an unusually uh slow, disappointing start so far for Edward Waters women's program this year. But uh that program, Coach Charmaine Wilson, uh she she she's she's a fighter. And that team was down twenty-seven. Might have been the greatest comeback this season, Drew. I don't know. We'll kind of look around this year 
and keep tabs and say that anybody else come close to coming back from a 27-point deficit to win. And that's what Edward Waters women did the other night. Uh, they won 70-69. to 69, um, against uh, Savannah State. So, shout out to uh, Coach Wilson and Edward Waters for that. Over on the men's side, Benedict College, their men's program is still ranked number 15 in uh, the media and coaches poll. They are the only HBCU uh, ranked in Division Two. Uh, there are a couple of men's teams that are ranked in the NAIA level. Of course, you have the number two team in the country, Langston, who the last rankings had Langston at 15-0, but Langston is actually 19-0. They have won 19 consecutive games. Um, again, 19... What was their start last year? What was the start that Coach Wright got off to last year, Drew? I want to say it was 18, and then they dropped one, and then they reeled off the uh, rest of those victories. Yeah, uh, shout-out to uh, A.D. Campbell there. Uh, yeah, Co Coach Wilson, uh, she's she's a great, great lady, great lady, man. Love always getting a chance to talk to her. Um, and uh, I, 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 I didn't know she was at South Carolina. Was she at South Carolina State? She's a South Carolina State player, huh? I thought she on the wide. I thought she, she I thought she went to Bethune too. Yeah. Okay, but hey, so so be it. Um, the uh, so Langston is number two. Florida Memorial is actually ranked sixteenth in the nation. They are fourteen and two. Um, and then Xavier, Louisiana, they just recently dropped out of the top 25. So there you go. Here's a team that you might want to start paying attention, Drew, that I had no idea was having this kind of year. How about Texas College? Texas College uh, is currently on an eight-game winning streak in the Red River Athletic Conference, sitting in second place, 15-5 and five overall, 11-3 and three in the conference, Texas College. We rarely talk about Texas College because, you know, they they because the only team we ever talk about in the Red River is Xavier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but guess what? Xavier is actually third in the conference standings behind Texas College. So, uh shout out to Texas College, man. We have to keep an eye on them here uh in over the next uh few weeks. Florida Memorial uh again, their men uh, have lost two of the last three. I got a feeling, Drew. They they're gonna be even though they were mid sixteens. Ooh, when the new I think the new rankings are coming out Monday. Uh, having lost two of the last three games, they might find themselves out of the top twenty five. It's a long drop though. They'll probably fall to like low twenties or high twenties, I guess. Well, there were a couple of you know I I'll call the NAIA probably more closer to you. There were a couple of teams in the top. Uh, 25 in the IA who took some L's this week. Okay, so they may be able to stay in. They they'll stay in. They may they they won't drop all the way out, but they'll uh they they may be low maybe mid twenties, twenty three, twenty four, probably. 
Right. Um, Edwin asked what conference are Rust and Tougaloo. They are in the uh, GCAC. GCAC. GCAC, which is a part of the NAIA. Um, and speaking of those schools, well, we'll kind of do reverse order with our with our rundown here. Um, on the women's side, currently sitting in first place is Rust with a 9-1 conference record, 17-3 overall, followed by Philander Smith and Fisk University. Both are just a half game behind Rust in the conference standings. Uh, Philander and Fisk are 9-2. Over on the men's side, Talladega, 16-2 overall. They've just played six conference games, Drew. Kind of interesting compared to Philander and Tougaloo, who are both uh, – well, Philander is 11-2, and 15-5 overall, and Tougaloo is 8-2 and two in conference, 16-4 and four overall. Uh, these schedules I, – I, be- I believe, if I, if I remember correctly, the GCAC has an odd number of teams, which with them playing those three games in three days over the weekend, sometimes I believe someone is always left out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's number one. And then number two, a lot of the teams, uh, instead of playing the pod, those who are geographically close to each other will play each other during the week okay. and not wait for those pods on the weekend. So that may be it. That's, that's another thing. And I think Talladega, outside of Fisk, uh, I don't think that's another team that's geographically close to Talladega currently in the GCAC uh, conference. Fisk is about maybe maybe three hours. So that might be the only opponent, if I'm a Talladega, that I would play on a weekday without making one of those real road trips. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple other NAIA schools that we want to give some love to. Um, Stillman, Stillman College, their men's basketball team, they're currently in second place in the Southern States Athletic Conference. Isn't Stillman supposed to be moving conferences? Is it next year? They'll be moving to the GCAC next year. Gotcha. Okay. So, but uh, also keep it, throw something interesting. Stillman is hosting this year's GCAC tournament. <laughs> All right. Well, that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Stillman's men, they're currently in second place in the conference. Nine and three conference record, 12 and seven overall. Um, they recently lost to first place Tennessee Southern by 15 points, but then they came back and won their games on Thursday and Saturday. Um, and uh, this upcoming Thursday, they take on the defending national champs, Loyola University. So uh, shout out to Stillman, second place right now. Probably about three games behind Tennessee Southern. So, I mean, I don't know. That team, Tennessee Southern, they haven't lost a game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And then Langston's women, while the Langston men are getting a lot of credit, don't sleep on the women. The women, they are in third place right now, 10-3 and in conference, 15-4 and overall. Um, Unfortunately, they lost a game to John Brown University, on Saturday, 50 to 44. That was a battle for second place. And they've already, let's see, last Saturday lost to first place Wayland Baptist. So 
And they don't looking at the schedule, Drew, they don't play either of those two again. So if they are going to well, and they got a tournament. So, you know, it depending upon where the seating is for the Sooner Athletic Conference. But uh Langston's in a good spot. Good spot. Uh let's go to the division two side real quick, Drew, and kind of just give some bullet points over in the SIC and the CIAA. Um, for the women's side, you've got Miles College currently sitting at 15 and 1. They are unbeaten, 11 and 0 in the West Division. Kentucky State is 14 and 2, 10 and 1 in second place in the West. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't think that loss came to Miles. I think that loss may come to somebody else if I if I if I recall or you know when I was checking it earlier. Um on the men's side, Benedict, as we mentioned, they're in first place, followed by Morehouse and Clark. Uh Clark just defeated Morehouse on Saturday. Uh Clark got a 70 to 62 win in uh in Epps Gymnasium. Uh Morehouse was down 15 at the half, never really found themselves back in that contest. The battle for the A, the battle for the AU center between those two AU rivals. It was rivalry uh, Saturday in the SIEC. Yeah, rivalry Saturday. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we already mentioned earlier about that men's, that Miles and Tuskegee men's game. Um, I'll tell you, the CIAA has got some interesting uh, that that's a league where on the women's side, they got some interesting scenarios going on over here, Drew, um, because, you know, the CIAA in terms of how they do standings, it's not always just conference play, but it's what you do in your division, right? So you've got Virginia Union currently in first place. They're three and zero in division, <coughs> but they have the second best conference record. Followed by Elizabeth City State, who they've won five straight games. They're also three and zero in division, but they're five and four in conference play. And then to throw one more curveball at you. Virginia State, who actually has the best overall record of the previous two teams I just mentioned, they are 17 and 2, 8 and 2 in conference. They are 2 and 1. 2 and 1 in division. No, Edwin. I'm holding off. I'm holding off on my drink. I'm hoping I can get back to my moonshine here as we finish off um, this stuff. I'm going to let Drew talk about the men in a second. Um, uh, So that's the northern side. Watch this. On the southern side, you've got Claflin, who's won seven in a row, sitting at 4-0 in the south. Fayetteville has a better overall record at 16-2. And a better conference record at nine and one. But guess what? 
Claflin with the 4-0 division has a better lead. So all eyes, Wednesday, if you were in the Fayetteville and the North Carolina area, you want to be at Fayetteville State University on Wednesday night because you got a great matchup coming on Wednesday night for the women and men. The women, you got Claflin at Fayetteville State. Somebody's going to move into first place. Um, and then on Saturday for the women, you got uh, Elizabeth City State at Virginia State. Some little separation game there. Talk about the men for a second, Drew. Well, Lincoln of PA is in first place in the Northern Division, winners of three in a row. But they're 10 and 10 overall, six and four in the CIAA. But here we go with that stuff, Ryan. Three and oh in the division. Virginia Union is second in the division with a three and oh record in the division. Claflin, 10 and six, set, uh, seven and two in the, in the CIAA. And Fayetteville State, who are 11 and nine, six and four. A tie for first in the Southern Division, both at three and one in the division. And like you said, Brian, the matchup of the week is going to be Claflin and Fayetteville State in the in the CIAA. Game of the week showdown in the CI CIAA. Um all right, real quick, uh, Miak and Swack things to kind of pay attention to. Um, you know, Jackson State have won six games in a row. The women uh, currently sitting at 11 and six. Um, they got a win over Bethune Cookman Saturday, 81 to 65. They're traveling over to FAMU. Uh, they're going to they're gonna get a. They're gonna get a, a a dose of pressure from Coach Pressure. I got I'm not calling it an upset, Drew, but uh, I won't be surprised to see FAMU push Jackson State to the edge on, on Monday night. So, um, yeah, I might need more than the halls, Edwin. I might need more than the halls. Um, I guess put some picks on, on your chest, Brian. You remember the old school? Put I don't have. I really don't have a sore anything. Nothing is sore. It just is a dry throat. I, you know, I've just been talking for a minute. Um, okay, battle for second place is also taking place Monday night. UAPB at Grambling. Uh, you got the top two offenses and points scored. So uh, if you can find a line on that, take the over. That's just my suggestion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Grambling at Jackson State plays Saturday. This is women. This is women. This is the women's matchup again on Monday night. UAPB at Grambling and then Grambling at Jackson State on Saturday. Over on the men's side, your leaders in the conference are Bama State, Alabama State, and Grambling. Both of them are 5-1. and one. And then you've got three games or three teams that are a game behind. Uh, Bethune, Jackson State, and Southern all sitting one game off the lead. Uh, Monday night's big showdown on ESPN2 is Alcorn at Bethune-Cookman. That's a 6.30 tip-off on ESPN2. And then on Saturday, 
you've got Grambling and Jackson playing in Newark, New Jersey. I think that's that uh, somebody's somebody's classic is happening up in Newark. I think that's the one that Michael B. Jordan does. You've got Bethune at Alabama State and Southern at Alcorn State. Over in the MEAC for the women, your first place teams are Norfolk State, Howard, and Coppin State, all with a three and one record, followed by three teams sitting at two and two. The the definition of parity. Six teams all within one, and eight, but eight in the in the league, Drew. But six of them are all within a game of each other. So there's your true definition of parity, right there. Um, Norfolk State handed Coppin State their first conference loss, sixty-one to fifty-three on Saturday. Monday night, all eyes will be at Coppin again as they host Howard University, six thirty. And uh, over on the men's side for the MEAC men, Norfolk State currently on a three-game winning streak, sitting tied for first with North Carolina Central and Delaware State. Of course, we just talked about earlier Delaware State losing to South Carolina State at the buzzer. Uh, well, hey, Dell State, you get a rebound from that tough loss by playing North Carolina Central. Both teams are tied for three and one in the first place. Drew, uh, oh, that was all. That was everything, wasn't it? Yes, sir. Did you see did you see my notes about the net rating? Any any thoughts on those net ratings, yeah. rankings rather, wait, for the wait, men wait, and wait. women on the division wait, one wait. level? Did you see that? No, I I did not see that. If you if, if okay, ever, I see it now. I see it now. Yeah, yeah. Um Jackson State, top 100 on the women's side. Am I looking at that right? A&T is 21st? No, what that is, that's the conference. So, so I did two things there. Oh, that's the conference debt rate. That's the conference debt rate. Okay. Right. And the reason I, the reason I did that is because if A&T can win the CAA, I mean, there's a potential that A&T can end up as a uh, – What's that a 14? Maybe a 14 possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And on the men's side, nobody's really hitting on about anything. And it looks like we'll all look at that first four games on the men's side for BAC, SWAC. And even if Tennessee State should happen to win the OVC, they're probably still looking at the first four. Yeah, the, the net, the conference ratings. If the- not a first four. Tennessee State might get a 16. Swack and React Champion are definitely looking at the first four. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, a final couple of notes here, Drew. Um, any any final notes you want to talk on? I don't know. You saw I put some stuff in there. I don't know if you wanted to talk on any of that um, before before we get out of here. What what you think about Hugh to uh, Hugh to Morehouse? Well, I I liked, I love, not like, I love what Karan Phillips uh, of Deadspin wrote. And then I watched his interview 
on HBCU sports. And um, of course, the headline of his article on Deadspin says hiring Hugh Jackson would be a huge mistake for Morehouse. Uh, not only is the iconic HBCU the last place he should be, Jackson is a joke who's never been a good head coach. Damn. <laughs> and look, if you go and watch the interview, and whether I don't know if you like to read, you can read it. But a lot of the stuff he talks about, I look, it's kind of what I've been saying, but I ain't really been as loud and vocal as Karam because he he was not trying to apply for the job at FAMU. But we're talking about a guy who he had one eight and eight season. And outside of that, everything else has been below 500. I mean, I think his career winning percentage, even including games at. Holy shit. Excuse me. That's a ridiculous catch. <laughs> that is a ridiculous catch. Uh, you the, look, we I just I just I just looked up and saw the most ridiculous catch of what should have been probably interception. Made by uh, who's that? What's the what's what's my man's name who made that number eleven for San Fran? Oh, now I'm behind you. Uh, I can't see because of the hair. That's ridiculous. Um, but no. Um, coming coming back to Hugh Jackson though. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, Hugh has won twenty percent. I think he said Karan said twenty four. IU, thank you. Twenty four percent of his games. 24%. And I, I tell you, you know, Grambling probably got out of that contract right at the right time. They probably did. Now, you know, um, the the article is, is again, the, we talk about having a voice and having a platform. This is um th- this is this is this is how you use it. And again, this is somebody who's invested as a Morehouse person, right? A Morehouse man. And he's recognized and he's seen some things that Hugh has done that are suspect. You know, uh I told you I laughed at the whole Hugh Jackson uh with the with the uh with the luxury cars on the field stuff, right? And I, I told you, I, I remember why I remember seeing that and was like, boy, that's a bad copycat job of whatever is being done at Jackson State. I mean, but I mean, okay, if that's what you're if that's what you're selling. Um and this whole thing about him being a quarterback guru, I'm I'm calling BS on that too. I'm like the guy, I mean, really, come on. The guy had, coach had who? He had, who was his quarterback? Carson Palmer? Is that is that what he gets credit for? I've heard that. Sometimes we just throw, we just throw around cute sayings because they sound cute. You know, they really do. Quarterback guru? Really? Who are, who are, his, who are his quarterbacks that he's been such a great guru that his teams have won greater than 24%. I mean, I go go look at the numbers. And I think, look, I'm not here to defend Quran, but 
you go read what he wrote or listen to the go listen to um the the interview that he did on HBCU Sports. Hey man. Hey. Morehouse got rid of their what's crazy is Morehouse. Now this is the opposite. Morehouse is doing the opposite of what FAMU is doing, right? A Morehouse man had the job the last two years at Morehouse, right, Drew? And then they get rid. Well, one well, he, step down. No, he only had the job one year. Well, but but the year before that, who was the head coach? Rich Freeman, right? Rich Freeman was. He stepped yes. down, right? So what I'm saying right. is, the last two years you had Morehouse men, and Rich Freeman mm-hmm. probably stepped down because they were probably about to fire him because those last couple seasons were pretty bad for Rich. But that's when you go out and find somebody outside and change the culture. Okay, but they didn't. They didn't. They tried to go back to a Morehouse man, and then it it got worse. But they didn't really support him the way they probably needed to, and so it turned out to be an S show. Now they're saying, hey, let's go get Hugh Jackson. Huh? Huh? Hey, I got a list I can share with Morehouse's AD. There's 44 names on it. Yeah, 44 people there. 44 names. Well, actually, no, let me rephrase. There are 41 names on it that you can gladly look at and find you a great head coach in this list. You can't, there's four names on there you really can't bother with. There's four names you can't bother with. But you can have one of them already has a head coaching job. And the other three you want to We we have a job that we're trying to keep. But the other 40, 41, hey. It, it, you know, they, there's some good names. Hell, the search firm. We can you can borrow the names from the. I can give you the names from the search firm. They got five names here. I can give you five yeah. names. I can give you five names, Morehouse, that you can talk hey, to. And you might, you might get a discount since they've already done the work. Moving on, um, Allen University's athletic director, Jasher Cox. That's your boy, That's right? Yeah, That's my boy was honored by the Not Alone Foundation Saturday night at its eighth annual Diamond Awards. Cox was a recipient of the 2024 Diamond Award for Excellence in Leadership, Philanthropy, Humanitarian, and Community Engagement. The ceremony was held at Morehouse College's Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. International Chapel in Atlanta, Georgia. The Diamond Awards are designed to honor faces and images of excellence in the entertainment, corporate, and creative industries for the professional accomplishments and contributions to society on a local, state, or international level. Previous recipients include former Clark Atlanta University President Carlton Brown, former Morehouse College President Dr. John S. Wilson, actress and musician Queen Latifah, and Star Wars filmmaker George Lucas. So, uh, great job there uh, by Josh. Uh, two, two more things. Uh, the Andre Dawson Classic has been moved to Jackie Robinson Complex in Vero Beach, Florida. That's the one that was held, I believe, in New Orleans the last couple of years, if I remember that correctly, Ryan. Yep, yep. Okay, yeah. And last thing uh, before we get out of there, Brian, you got that hype video queued up for Everwater softball as they begin their ring. 
Um, I've got the video. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, damn. hold on. Let me. You didn't. You didn't get the video. Let's go to the picture at least. Yeah. I, here's the picture of the of the of the team, and I do have the rings. And let me. I'll pull up the video here in a second. Edward Waters uh, won the SIAC championship last season, and they were awarded the Black College Sports Network's softball uh, name, Black College Sports Network's softball Division Two national champion. Yeah, these uh, the rings are pretty pretty dope. Back-to-back national champs. That's pretty dope. And if you don't know that ever was story, it was a great story. They had three. They actually were on their third head coach by the time the SIAC tournament came around last year. All right. Let me see. I think I got the video queued up. Now, I'm going to be mad if we get flag for showing their video because I didn't download it. I'm hoping there's no there's no issues. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, let me see. AD Campbell, you must be you must be way ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Okay, here we go. Let me show that hype video here for uh, Edward Waters. Really, but they're going to throw her out at first base, and there are your champions, the Lady Tigers of Edward Waters. Wins a new school record, and you're the only HBCU to have 40 plus wins in a season, regardless of division, and end of the season on a 16 game winning streak. Give it up for yourself, the Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide.
Can you can you smell it, Brian? Ooh, that was, can you smell that was it? hot. Boy, that was can hot. Can you smell the can you smell the cut grass on a baseball or softball diamond? Hey, shout out to I Edward Waters. Edward Waters Athletics, uh, you know, Dr. Rich, uh, the A D, uh, Dr. Faison, Josh Jackson. We're gonna get we're gonna get Dr. Faison on the show one Sunday. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, 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 no, I love to. Yeah, yeah, he's he's already agreed to it. We just got to send him the dates. Oh, there we go. There we go. But uh yeah, no, I, yes. I love the investment that uh Edward Waters put into that and uh, softball. So uh, props to them for uh, putting that together. And you'll be able to catch some of those softball games right here on the Black College Sports Network uh, coming up this spring. Uh, so we look forward to uh, covering the uh, two-time two-time HBCU national champs this year. Yeah. Should be should be a good and, time. And there's a hold on the party on Woodward Avenue, Brian. Uh, San Francisco has tied the game. So uh, no party on Woodward yet. Perfect timing for us to kind of bag up the show, Drew, and we can both sit down, relax. I'm going to crack open a cold one, and uh, I'm going to sit back and, and kind of enjoy. I'm going to get my snacks ready. And the way you look, why'd you look, why'd you look that way? Why'd you do that? I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm watching my iPad too, man. Watch my oh, iPad. okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no party on Woodward, no party on 8 Mile, 7 Mile, nothing, nothing going on yet. Nervous. I'm going to have to hold for a moment. Nervous. And every city got a Martin Luther King, so I just throw that one out there in the King's Highway. So, <laughs> hey, look, if, if you grab the seven and a half, then you're okay for right now. But uh, you, you're hoping that the offense can get something going, though. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see what Dan Campbell comes up with. Can Dan Campbell pull some trickeration out of the bag? You know, so brand new ball game. That's right. Well, so with that said, uh, we, we want to thank everybody for watching us. Do us a favor, hit the thumbs up or the like button wherever you're watching the show. Um, make sure to check out the uh, some of the uh, the content uh, that we've been uploading from the Alcorn State uh, Sports uh, Radio Network folks. Our good friend Charles Edmond uh, is back with, uh, we like to call it Brave Talk. But it's also, you know, the uh, Landon Bussy show that said the Nate, um, um, oh, the coach's name, Kilbert, the Nate Kilbert show. Um, I even think uh, they had the, the first episode of the Cedric Tillman show, the new head coach of Alcorn football. Uh, so all of those episodes are now going to be running also on the Black College Sports Network this uh, winter. And so... Uh, you'll get a chance to kind of watch and uh, watch and hear what's going on with Alcorn. And so we're, we're expanding drew. We're trying to, we're trying to involve more HBCUs and, and trying to broadcast more of their, of their content. So uh, hopefully we can, hopefully we can do more. So any final speaking, thoughts you want to share, Drew? Speaking of uh, expanding uh, content, uh, our studies. I just want to quickly go to these uh, comments from earlier today. Uh, there is an HBCU player from Fayetteville on the Chiefs uh, defensive back. I cannot recall his name at the moment. Uh, Brian, I don't know if you can Williams. recall his name. Williams. Williams was the last Yes. Player. Yes. All right. 
quick to go on down the comments. Uh, shot at Florida A&M from A&T Roy. Would, and I would expect nothing less from you, A&T Roy. Florida's best up university. And this is something that I know you guys will cover on the hey, ONG Strike Zone. On. Hey, man, who said who, that? A&T Roy, man. Come on. you know, you, do, do you expect anything less out of A&T? I, I expect that from A&T Roy. You know, the, the, the trash talking. You, man. you don't have an A in there anyway. So nice try, Roy, but you lose. Nice try. No sir. <laughs> yeah. You know, for, from, from, from uh, North Carolina Afterthought University. Hey, so, there you go. There you go. <laughs> next, next, there you go. Ouch. Yeah. All right. Uh, quick, should Cozy bring back uh, the DC knowing he also wanted the job? Also, can he can you trust him? I'm sure that's something that you guys will discuss on the ONG Strike Zone on Wednesday, Brian. Well, let me say this: whether you can whether you can trust is not the issue. Okay, just just imagine wanting a job being passed over and then the way you're sort of treated in the interview process and then still wanting to go back to that organization. I've left a job because of feelings. So if you've ever been in that situation because of feelings, then it'll be hard for DC to come back. Because of feelings, not not because of anything personal with or dislike, but just feelings about the organization. That being the organization ran by the current AD. Okay, go ahead. Finance over feelings, Brian. Hey, if you can get another job, then you're gonna go with the finances at another job. Yeah, right. Uh, ever more is there opportunity for BCSN to start broadcasting swag baseball? Is that locked out under the current contract agreement with ESPN? Uh, there's about there's an ESPN contract and there's the HBCU Go contract, uh, Edwin, uh, that have to be uh, dealt with first before we can uh, get a crack at it. We, trust me, we, we're in we're talking, we have we have conversations, but. That's all they are, just general conversations at this point in time. And to my knowledge, uh, I will say neither one of those entities are broadcasting baseball games right now. Now they might, but I don't think yes. I haven't seen any outside of the games. outside of the tournament or anything. Like outside that. of the tournament, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Ad Campbell wanted uh, correct us uh, on something. Yeah, I mentioned uh, that. I mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, but those dates that I gave uh, when I was going through that, those were the days that they actually had the the presser uh, announcing the coach, not the days when the contracts got approved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because I wanted to stay consistent with the days that I was uh, using. So I went with the day that the presser, that each school had their presser announcing their new coach. So that's what that day was. Uh, so, but yes, you are correct, A.D. Campbell, and uh, just to give you a little bit of clarity on that. Brian, did you frequent King's Barbecue in Indianapolis? I will tell you, uh, Leonard, uh, King's Barbecue, when I left to go to school in the mm, mid-90s, early 90s, 
yeah, early, mid-90s, and I really didn't come back except maybe every once or twice a year. Um, King's Barbecue wasn't around back then. I did, So I didn't grow up on King's Barbecue. So my my dad and my sister, my late mom, they, of course, King's Barbecue came around in the late 90s, I think maybe even early 2000s, um, you know, so... I had a spot that I used to go to every Saturday morning with my dad when we got a haircut. And uh, that gentleman had a great spot, man. He made eat. I learned what good rib tips were. Oh, great, great. His sauce was so good. I still have flashbacks. That's how good it was. He 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 closed the store down, closed his, his barbecue spot down. But I still roll by that building where he used to have it, man. I'd be having some good flashbacks, Drew. Good flashback. Yes. I guess it's kind of like me in St. Louis. Everybody used to ask me, did I go to Sweetie Pies? I never went to Sweetie Pies uh, back when that back when that was hot because Sweetie Pies did not exist when I lived in uh mm-hmm. when I lived in St. Louis. And we, you know, I grew up on C and K barbecue and Mother's Fish. Those were the two quote unquote hood spots where we where we would eat at. There you go. Yes. And right, last one, uh, somebody help A.D. Campbell out. Can anyone connect me to the former women's basketball coach, Claudette Farmer? Um, I'm going to – I saw that. I started that because I'm going to – I, I yes. may know somebody who might be able to connect. Um, and so, uh, A.D. Campbell, I know how to – I follow you on Twitter. I know how to reach you. I'll 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 see if I can uh, see if I can find that information for you. So you got you got a couple of degrees of separation that you can maybe be able to help her out with. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yes. So those are all the big comments that we uh, that, that that we started, man. So uh, let's pick up this show and get out of here, man. Uh, we got two more coaching announcements out there. Maybe we'll hear them this week. Maybe we won't. Who knows? Uh, we're 10 days away from signing day, Brian. So let's see what the impact of all these coaching changes have on signing day. Exactly. Um, I just saw it. What you know about? Hold up. Hold up. What, you, what you know about East St. Louis, Evan? <laughs> uh, I just saw something. Uh, blue. Did we have? We didn't have. Did you have Bluefield State on that list? Is still looking for a looking for a football coach. I didn't know Bluefield State was open. I didn't either. But I'm just looking at something from HBCU Premier Sports and more. And uh, they had. I didn't know. Co- I didn't know Coxon was gone for Bluefield State. Yeah, I guess so. Because I, I talked to Coulson right after the season. Huh. So that's okay. news to be. So yeah. so we'll have to add that to the – where that shoots the numbers up then if uh, Bluefield State is looking for a coach. Yeah, the question is, will Hugh Jackson – this week, will Hugh Jackson be the uh, next head coach – at uh, Morehouse, yeah, yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna put that in a poll real quick. Will 
be the next head coach. At real quick, you guys in the poll before you guys, boom, hit the hit the hit the. There's the poll question. Real quick, last poll. Hit the polls real quick. Will Hugh Jackson be the next head coach at Morehouse? Real quick. Come on, we're gonna see how quickly we can do this in in thirty seconds before the come before they come out of commercial break. I want to see what people say. Ooh, it's fluctuating. Ooh, it's flipping here. Come on, hit those votes. I want to hear what you say, people. Hey, uh, A.D. Campbell, if you got any information on that, I wasn't aware of uh, Coach Coulson. Thanks for that uh, tip. But uh, shoot me some information on my Twitter, at BCSN Drew, if you've got any information on that. So we have to add that to the list and recalculate the numbers, Brian. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't he a part of rebuilding that program too? He started. He he was he started the program. Jeez, please. And I and I thought I knew all the lower level coaches that were that, that had been released. So I am going to add that to the spreadsheet, Brian, and then we'll add the numbers at a later point. All right, sounds good. All right, uh, so far, Drew, 60% of the people who have voted have said no. So mm. we'll see. All right. Well, <clears throat> that's going to do it for this show. Uh, we thank everybody for coming in and uh, hanging with us. Uh, appreciate all the commentary, all the thoughts. Uh, you can always catch a replay of it later. Uh, I want to encourage everybody, if you're a podcast listener, Go look for the BCSN Pod Zone on whatever platform, you know, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple and Google Podcasts, Radio Public. Um, go look for the BCSN Pod Zone. Download it. Uh, download the shows. Rate, review. You don't, you, don't, you don't have to listen to it. I, you know, I just want the we just want the algorithm algorithmic numbers and processing. So, but hey, if you if you miss something, you can always go back and listen to it there, as well as many other places that we have our shows. Uh, and if you like our show and you really like it, go back and listen to it on a different platform. So we sure. get the numbers on that other platform. Terrence Davis. Go back, go, no, go back and watch it on the same platform. Terrence Davis might be breaking news here. I don't know. Terrence Davis is saying that and I, now what Jackson is that Terrence? You got to be a little, I think I know. Is he saying Tremaine Jackson? Or Hugh Jackson? Tremaine, Tremaine would not go from Valdosta State to Brock. I wouldn't either. I, you're right. You're right. Hell, I would not do that. No. Um, no. No, the the only the only relationship to me and Whitlock is we both grew up in the east side of Indianapolis, Indiana. And while he was playing quarter, while he was playing with the legendary Jeff George, I was in middle school going to those high school games, watching them play. I did get a chance to meet him one time in Indianapolis back during the Super Bowl year. And he hosted uh, an event at his father's old restaurant. If you if you know anything about Indy, but uh, yeah, no, I didn't 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 know him. Have it, you know? Uh, of, Aren't you and Stephen A. having a beef right now? Oh man, I I went down the rabbit hole of watching that whole thing. Hilarious, hilarious. Um, all Stephen A. did was cuss at him and call him names. 
And then all Whitlock did was just slice apart Steven's book. Uh, <laughs> so it was kind of interesting. It was kind of entertaining. But I, I think I, I think that was a Sunday. I think that might have been the Sunday we didn't do the show. So I think that's why we didn't do the show, because I spent the first four hours of the morning going down the rabbit hole of watching those two shows and watching each other. And after a while, I just said, I got to do something better with my life, because this is bad. <laughs> Man, let's pick up this show and get out of here, man. All right. We, we, Thanks, we, everybody. We've been signing off for the last 30 minutes. I know. I know. I know. Now we're done. All right. Everybody be well. Have a great week. Um, continue to like, subscribe, and follow the Black College Sports Network at my BCSN1, the number one, wherever you got us. Uh, for AD Drew, I'm Brian Fulford. Peace out, everybody. Well, I love you. But you stay on hard.